0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
1: Meanwhile, I'm in like Diagon Alley, like in my corner with the trolls.
2: I love that though too. Like <laughs> this sharp break
1: <laughs> I'm actually tan right now, and I look like Casper in this lighting. So I don't know. <laughs> literally i'm sorry are you tan
0: or are you burnt which is it
1: (laughs) um this part of me this part of me is burnt this part of me is tan and then the rest of me is pretty much whatever you choose it to be
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's not vitiligo i just was outside weird
1: beautiful face hey also beautiful face
0: i love your face oh i missed your face i feel like it's really been so long i know you're gonna tell me it's only been a week but i think that that's blasphemy and here i am telling you that i missed your face terribly
1: i also miss your face but i'm super excited for something that we have planned in a week oh
0: I am also so excited for that. It's going to be such a glorious adventure. I cannot wait.
1: You know what we're going to do that day? What? Both wear sunscreen.
0: <laughs> real. That's real. After we put it on the children. I feel like we're really good at the put it on the children part and less good at the rest of it.
1: My peeling would concur. Dear listeners, you're welcome for that mental picture. Gross. <laughs>
0: Shout out to people like Katie, who are just absolute fucking barbarians who enjoy peeling. Something's wrong with all of you, but I love you. But still, gross. Ew. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. No, thank you.
0: Yes. Katie was like, I was watching her do this to her husband Jim this weekend. She was just like, Nope. I was nope. no, Nope. Nope. Stop. Nope. nope <laughs> I'm leaving. Bye. It was the worst. So I don't know, y'all who are out there who like that shit. Good for you, Katie. I love you. You're gross.
1: I love you. You're gross.
0: With a kiss? She'll know. She'll know that's with love. (laughs) She's my worst barker She'll know. Okay. Anyhoot. Tell me about your day today, my dearest darling love of my life.
1: It was a super, super busy day. I don't even know everything I did. How about yours?
0: Girl felt. Also super busy day. Uh... Also don't even know what I did other than I had my first therapy session today, which I was really excited about. I got myself back into therapy after taking a hot minute break and uh, I felt a little hypocritical about doing all kinds of research on all kinds of things over the past few weeks and I myself wasn't taking care of my mental health the way that I needed to be. So I had my first session with a new counselor today.
1: I am super proud of you for that. How did it go, if you don't mind me asking?
0: Oh, I don't mind you asking. Nice bow. Thank you, thank you. It was really great, actually. It was the first time that I've ever gone into therapy in the mental and emotional state that I'm in, where therapy wasn't a drastic thing that I needed, where I was like, oh my god, I just fucking need help right this second. It wasn't really that. It was more of like, you know... I have a bunch of little fires that I just don't really like creeping up on me. And before one of these gets really out of hand, I should probably talk to somebody about it. So... We did that and that's literally the analogy that I gave to my counselor today and he was just really cool and really great and he gave me some really fantastic advice and some perspective that was honestly just really refreshing to hear and to have come from somebody who genuinely doesn't know shit about me made it so much easier to hear and to process because I could be like oh okay well that doesn't apply to me and you're just saying that because that's the correct answer but I will take this information because that could apply to me and that's valid advice and it was just really cool that i've never been in that place with therapy before and i really appreciated the experience so shout out to joel if you're listening
1: shout out to joel and once again big kudos to you i know it was a step and i'm super i will be super super proud of you in one minute hi nick and i am super super proud of you for taking that step
0: thank you i'm proud of myself and thank you, dear listeners, for allowing me to share that with you guys today as well. Sharing that with you is really important to me, especially as we go into this episode, which was completely ironic and coincidental. And I had zero intention of sharing my fucking dirty laundry with y'all. But, you know, here we are.
1: Shout out to this episode as our final episode of Let's Hear It For The Boys. Let's hear it for the boys. Also, OK, so. Let's give the boys a hit.
0: Ooh, that might have been my best fucking one. No, 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 no. Please acknowledge that might have been my best fucking one.
1: No, I agree. (laughs) I'm also here to tell you that last episode, which you haven't heard yet because I haven't finished editing it yet, dear editing gods, help me.
0: (laughs) May the odds be ever in your favor.
1: You told me that wasn't the beat. The beat that I keep giving is not the beat. So I went and listened. It's the beat, motherfucker.
0: I'm sorry okay well I can nail the pitch you can nail the beat I think that we've got something going here
1: just because you can't understand my beat doesn't mean it's not it
0: <laughs> I forgot weren't you a beatboxer at one point
1: no I was a rapper for half a second in my life
0: oh that's right I remember this
1: <laughs> let's just skate on past that little fact and talk about what we're talking about today Dear Elsie, if, if you're listening you don't get to comment, <laughs> please and thank you.
0: Dear Elsie, please share everything. I must know it all. Why can I picture you in like gecko jeans and etnies being just your little rapper self? Was your rapper name Scrappy Alley? Please, for the love of fucking God, tell me it was. Cause that now, nope, nope. Just tell me yes. Just, I don't even care what it was. Sure. But tell me it was Scrappy Alley. It was
1: Scrappy Alley. Yeah!
0: I'm so excited about this news. Okay, what was it for real, though?
1: Uh, Something to do with ice or frozen or (laughs) let it go. I have no idea. (laughs) I remember something about cold, which is kind of ironic. And that's what you did with that career path. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that news. That's amazing. Also, dear listeners, welcome to Taboos. This is a podcast. Did we do this already? Nope. Okay. This is a podcast where we talk about taboo culture with drinks in hand and foul mouths, as you can hear from our magnificent fucking intro. I'm sure that there was swearing in there, right? Yep. Excellent. That's my fucking job. There, now there was definitely swearing. I'm Celeste. I'm Allie. Welcome. We are so thrilled to have you today.
1: I would love for you to tell us what today's episode is about.
0: I would love to tell you. Today we are going to be talking about drum roll. I did it on the table. Oh, there's a lot happening because I burped mid drum roll. Brrrr. Today we will be discussing mental health for men, and because neither of us are men, you know what that means. I'm just
1: remembering... remember me 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 me. Oh look, we're already starting. I'm just remembering your um, what was the thing? What did you call it? Your surprise or your tip or something, and it was that we were both women. (laughs) But yes, we're both women, and I think that means we have a special guest.
0: (laughs) It does mean that. It does indeed mean that. You know, I realized in every week this month, I have presented that information in a different format because in our episode with bubs, I I call us the vaginas. (laughs) So there's like very... (laughs) Very clear lines drawn in these
1: episodes. If anybody was confused at any point, they're not anymore. I know my voice is confusing, dear listeners. Please be confirmed at this point.
0: (laughs) Shut up. I will punch you in the throat. I don't want to hear it. Shut up. So, in order to move forward with this, we should probably go call the additional member of today's conversation in order to make this an appropriate conversation to be had by all. Agreed. Bling, bling. Here we go.
1: Welcome, welcome. Hi.
0: I am so excited that you're here.
2: I am so excited to be here. You have no idea.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have the absolute magnificent honor of introducing our dearest friend, Folan. Hi. Hello. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your beautiful, wonderful, sweet (laughs) self?
2: Like, I will do it just because you asked. Um, not because social anxiety is forcing me to. Um, <laughs> uh, so my name is Fullen. Uh I'm from Texas. You know, this hot humid heat that you know, where we sometimes have electricity, sometimes we don't. You know, you're familiar with us. Uh, <laughs>
0: it's a mixed bag, really.
2: Exactly. The homeland of Sandy the Squirrel. <laughs> oh, I am a writer, activist, and advocate here in Dallas, and I have just a lot of fun talking about mental health, Black life, uh, queer life, and just anything to do with, like, modern, like, older Gen Z stuff. I realized I was older Gen Z this year. Like, I didn't know if I was a millennial or Gen Z for the longest, <laughs>
0: It was an identity crisis for sure.
2: It truly was. I didn't know when I was being disrespected, actually. I was <laughs> like, so should I be disrespected for, like, reason Hooters goes out of business? Or should I be, like, disrespected because I'm on TikTok too much? Like, where does my insults go?
1: <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> oh, God. I am totally in the Hooters category. Whoa. <laughs>
2: Yes, we're killing industries.
1: Oh, I'm dying
0: right now. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so, so, so honored that you said you would join us and that you are here. And I know that there was a lot that came up between life and this recording, but I'm just, I love your face and I'm so happy.
2: Thank you. I love your face too.
0: (laughs) There's nobody I would rather do this episode than with
1: you two. So real. This is going to be an amazing episode.
2: Like, I feel that. I feel that energy. Yes.
1: So before we get into this episode, you guys,
0: should we talk about what we're drinking?
2: Yes, uh, I am drinking air (laughs) and Cran Apple because I need to watch my figure. And also I have to get up at 430 in the morning. So that's why (laughs) I don't want to miss like my six alarms already. as a sober person, so I'm going to keep myself from getting there. So that's what I'm having, you know.
0: Felt, felt absolutely. Yeah, agreed 100%. And you just got back from vacation, so you probably need a moment anyway.
2: Absolutely. Like, my liver's like, chill yourself.
0: <laughs> Sit down, please.
2: Yeah, I am a part of you. Remember that I am here and I'm here to support you, but you have to treat me right too. It's a reciprocal
0: relationship. A give and take, baby. <laughs> Allie girl, what are you drinking over there?
1: I'm drinking what I thought was a pretty appropriate named beer for this episode. It's by New Belgium Brewery, and it's called Heavy Melon. Ooh! Ooh! Cute! And it's pretty obvious what it is, but it's a watermelon something. Ale? I don't even know. There's no description. I could keep turning the bottle if you'd like. That's tasty.
0: It's pretty obvious what it is, though. (laughs) You know, the bottle actually reminds me of Steve's shirt from Blue's Clues, which now makes me need to hear your Blue's Clues noise.
1: Bow bow. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> we love to see it. It's true. I just have to say that whoever the new guy is on Blue's Clues, whose name I can't think of, I think it's Josh, but I'm not sure. But he's kind of oh attractive. Yes. Like a really, yes. oh, wait, no, I just made this super awkward.
2: No, it's not awkward. It's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. He doesn't have facial hair, though. Normally, like, they have to have facial hair for me. And I don't know. I was like, he's really handsome. (laughs) They have to have facial hair for me? (laughs) Yeah, men have to have facial hair for me to be attracted.
0: I know this is true about you. Like, I know that's real, but still so fucking funny to hear you say.
1: (laughs) Sorry. It's just one of my things, but I felt really weird finding out that I grew up with Blue's Clues, Steve, and now I find the new host semi-attractive. That's weird to me.
2: It was funny when, like gay twitter found his shirtless selfies and like the internet broke a little bit and i was like we i know we're in the pandemic but please like chill and close your legs like it's like let the kids have him for a bit before we take it too far
1: people are thirsty moms
0: chill out just for a second (laughs) zach efron
1: is still on tv okay
2: Oh, I said new documentary before the Botox
1: scandal. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I completely derailed that. I would love to hear what you're drinking today, my dear.
0: I similarly picked today's beverage based on its title relating to today's episode, uh, because I recognize that the subject of mental health is often looked at as a really little thing, but it's actually a really big little thing. And that is the title of my beer, Big Little Thing IPA.
1: Aw, that's super cute. Oh. That's a cool can.
0: Thank you. I know. When I saw it at the store, I was like, oh, that's very, like, constellation-y. But it's really not. It's more like a circus and bubbles. And mm. it is by Sierra Nevada. It is an Imperial IPA. And uh, that's about all it says on the can it's really good it's really fucking hoppy and it's a much bigger tall boy than I was anticipating when I opened it from the fridge and I we're just gonna see how this goes now because (laughs) we're here I'm committed and um it's a big little thing perfect
2: (laughs) I love this symbolism
0: thank you thank you I got a little creative with it I am ready for you to teach us some things oh I cannot wait to teach y'all some things before we get into this episode, though, especially because this one's about mental health, we have to have a disclaimer. I would like to start with that now, if that's okay. Sounds good to me.
2: Nope. doubt. Nope.
0: All right. Here we go. Today's episode will have a content warning as we will be discussing topics and concepts that may be triggering for some listeners. Mental health can be impacted by infinite scenarios and, in all honesty, means something unique to each of us. We recognize that society doesn't treat anyone well when it comes to the subject of mental well-being. It is our intention with this episode, however, specifically to both magnify and normalize the topic of mental health as it relates to men. Allie and I are not medical professionals, or men for that matter, such as, the following information is based purely on research, opinion, and personal experience with men that we've met in our lives. So, dear men listening... We need you to hear us say we appreciate you, your feelings are valid, and your mental health matters in all things you do to make you the healthiest and happiest versions of yourselves.
1: Hear, hear. We love that. Hear, hear. Aside from the go fuck yourself at the end of the sex toys episode, I think that might be my favorite disclaimer from you. Because it was just beautiful.
0: (laughs) Thank you. My go fuck yourself disclaimer was probably my favorite too because it was so fitted for that episode. Like it was so necessary to go into that episode. So I appreciate that. Kudos. Thank you.
1: You know what? That's a dad joke that I will accept anytime in that context. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you for your approval on that.
1: No problem just saying you win
0: i have never gotten a seal of approval from you on a joke ever so this is like a big deal for me i'm gonna commemorate this moment forever in eternity thank god it's fucking recorded because otherwise i'd have no proof (laughs) there you go i wanted to start with the definition of mental health specifically so we can just get that out there so everybody understands what we're really talking about the definition of mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being So really, when you Google quote-unquote mental health There's a lot of information about mental disorders and mental illnesses that come up. Although you may be experiencing a mental illness or a disorder because of a state of poor mental health, poor mental health is not necessarily always related to mental illnesses or disorders. Example, intermittent levels of incredibly high stress. This can significantly affect your mental health, but there isn't anything quote unquote wrong with your body. And I really think that that's an aspect of mental health. Health that's not talked about enough. I agree. That's a really important call out. Yeah,
1: most definitely.
0: Permind.org. The following are a few really common factors of mental health, which should be viewed as multi-level sliding scale for all people. So like imagine we're all a DJ for a second, the cool little push buttons on the DJ board, right? That's what we're going to talk about. And each section of your mental health is a different control on that board. And that's really how you need to look at your mental health always. That's actually how I think people should look at their health in general, because your body and your physical being in all of its existences and all of its levels and planes are all connected and yet different so that can include all kinds of shit right like your emotional plane your mental your spiritual your physical and that can mean for whatever you believe in or don't believe in but i think that that's a fair analogy for us to go into with this in mind agreed some of those common factors include anger anxiety and panic attacks bipolar disorder Body dysmorphic disorder, borderline personality disorder, depression. Shout out to our episode on depression. Also, shout out to our dysmorphia episode. If y'all haven't heard that one, it's really fucking amazing. Disassociation and dis- disassociative disorders. Recreational drugs and alcohol. Eating problems. Hearing voices. Hoarding. Hypomania and mania. Loneliness. Obsessive-compulsive disorder, panic attacks, paranoia, personality disorders, phobias, postnatal depression, and perinatal mental health, PTSD, schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, seasonal affect disorder, self-esteem, self-of-steam, self-esteem, self-harm, sleep problems, stress, suicidal feelings, and trauma. For anyone who isn't aware, trauma can only be defined by the person who is experiencing it. Trauma wears a new face every time you experience it, and they will all haunt you forever if you don't acknowledge, accept, and forgive yourself for the burdens and sins that you are not meant to carry. That is the best way that I can describe trauma.
1: I think that's a perfect way to describe it too, honestly. Literally.
2: That was like, the most on point i actually need to borrow that for just to tell some friends like so they get what trauma is
0: (laughs) thank you that really just that one came to me because i was like how do i explain to people what trauma is without sounding like it is as vague as it is because trauma could be anything you guys being told you have cancer is traumatic missing a stop sign and realizing that you totally could have died is also traumatic it it isn't the same conversation and yet they're both really fucking scary and they both leave an imprint on you I didn't know how else to say that without saying it the way that I did so I appreciate you guys and the little pat on the back for that thank you Now that we've really covered sort of what's under that mental health umbrella, right, which was a lot of fucking shit, I think it's really important that we now go into the history of mental health and actually peep our title for this episode, which y'all can't see because we're talking right now, but shout out to when this episode is done. I think it's really both clever and sexist, but also clever for this episode that the title of this episode is The History
1: of Mental till health (laughs) nice
2: I love that
1: I also love how you like sang it (laughs) I
2: couldn't help it yeah that's
1: how I wrote it on here
2: (laughs) (laughs) I felt the emotion just from the writing to the saying
0: (laughs) I know that is what my special guest notebook had to contribute So really, I found this information in an article called Looking Back, Masculinity and Mental Health, The Long View. And this was found at thepsychologist.bps.org.uk. The article started with this quote. As a medical historian engaged in research on the history of men's mental health, it is striking how little research exists on the ways in which men have coped with professional and personal pressures. The literature on male psychological and emotional disorders is equally sparse. Why this history has been so poorly recorded is a matter of considerable debate. Scholars of gender studies have broadly tended to assume a male norm and consistently focus on femaleness and differences from the norm. So we're going to sidestep for one second because I want to really explain what this means. Quote, man in air quotes and his quote unquote natural behavior throughout history have been deemed as the quote unquote norm. That's literally what this history is telling us. This perspective is telling us. Meaning if a man experienced it, it was deemed normal. Even if it wasn't normal, like we need to call that out, okay? (laughs) Time in. Quote, academic historians and feminist historians in particular have focused repeatedly on deconstructing the well-versed ancient association between woman and quote-unquote madness. We're going to sidestep again because this means if you've experienced symptoms that were not quote-unquote normal, you experienced something that quote-unquote only women would experience, which translated to one- emasculating yourself by asking for help. Two, you were fucking crazy. Three, that means that you're crazy and quote-unquote an inadequate man. And who would ever sign up to be those things? Mm -hmm. Time in. Quote, some continue to argue that men are simply much less likely to be affected by mood disorders and that women are more naturally predisposed to quote-unquote such conditions. Statistically, women do appear to suffer more frequently from depression and anxiety disorders. This has been consistently so since the 1950s, with current studies suggesting that women are approximately two times more likely to suffer from mood disorders than men. However, research suggests that the statistical landscape only reveals part of the story. So let's talk about that landscape. 75% of suicides are currently among men that's a huge fucking number. Mm -hmm. This data can be traced back to data that suggests this has been the case since the beginning of the 20th century. This is not news. Alcohol abuse being a huge factor of this. a factor often related to suicide is also significantly more common in men who are more than two times as likely to become alcohol dependent than women. This trend is too well established and is a consistent theme throughout the studies of general practice morbidity that emerges in the late 1950s. The article continues to say, The subject of help-seeking for psychological disorders certainly seems to be an area that presents particular challenges to masculinity, complicated by the fact that when men do seek help from medical practitioners, they often only present with somatic or psychosomatic symptoms that may have an emotional cause. It is therefore highly likely that many cases of depression and anxiety disorders are underdiagnosed as it relates to men. Family doctors practicing in the 1950s noted that women tend to present with symptoms of low mood, anxiety, lack of motivation, and sadness. Which, for the most part, are all really easy to recognize. Mm -hmm. Whereas men are more likely to present somatic symptoms, including a range of ill-defined disorders affecting the stomach digestion, sleep, and general well-being.
1: That's super interesting. Yeah. We're
0: going to take another sidestep. I think so, too. And because I think so, I really want to just explain, again, like on a very simplistic level, what this means. Men who did choose to seek medical attention experienced any, all, or any combination of the following results. They didn't articulately describe issues deep enough to be recognized as anything other than physical discomfort, either because they were ashamed or were truly unaware of how intertwined the symptoms were. Women came in telling doctors what was wrong in a much more recognizable way, making it easier to diagnose remember how being a woman makes you crazy? Imagine not being able to explain to your doctor that you're experiencing this thing that makes you crazy, but you can't explain it other than I'm not sleeping enough and my stomach is super fucked up. Mm -hmm. Are you going to risk a doctor thinking that you're not man enough to handle being in pain and pop a Pepto-Bismol kind of mentality? Which is just really not fair to men at all.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, most of.
0: But also, we have to remember that man sets the bar for normal. And that bit is still really fucking important. End scene.
1: You actually answered one of the questions I already had in there, which was, is the rate of women being diagnosed as having a higher range of mental health, like, diagnoses really is it higher because one men are underdiagnosed and less forthcoming because it's still not socially normal so you just answered that for me thank you
0: (laughs) you're very welcome i have a bunch more information that i'm really excited to share with you guys this information actually might be one of my proudest research moments since our qualified immunity episode uh and i just really i can't wait to share the rest of this with
1: you Dear listeners, if you want to send special something to Celeste, send her special pens. I don't know what that qualifies as, but something that makes writing in the special guest notebook easier and more fun.
0: I mean, I will never deny anybody who wants to send me pens, you guys. I literally go through about a pack of pens a fucking week. It's not even a joke and my bae knows exactly what i'm talking about because he writes everything too so i know pens
2: notebooks i school supplies i i am their biggest customer during like tax-free weekend like gosh Uh -uh.
0: real exactly shout out to my special guest notebook let's continue the next set of information I really just titled as Mental Health for Men, and I got this from MHANational.org, which is the Mental Health Association.org. Quote. If you think you or a loved one may be experiencing signs of a mental illness, visit mhascreening.org. Take a free, quick, and confidential screen for depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, PTSD, and or alcohol and substance abuse problems. That's really important to me, specifically, that is a quote from the website, but I really wanted to share that with you guys as our listeners, because who knows what y'all are going through, right? Whether that's with yourself or with your man or with your partner or whoever the fuck is in your life, like, I just really think that that's important to share across the board. Definitely. So let's talk about some statistics. Are you ready for some statistics?
2: Let's go.
1: (laughs) I love my numbers that I can't add.
0: I love the numbers that I don't know what to do with. (laughs) Counting is hard. It's fine. It is. U.S. male population is about 152 million. Of that number that I can't say, 6 million males are affected by depression per year. Per year. Whoa. That's a lot. The top five major mental health problems affecting men are... Depression. Male depression often goes underdiagnosed, specifically called out on this website. Men are more likely to report fatigue, irritability, loss of interest in work or hobbies, rather than feelings of sadness or worthlessness, which are the typical female presenting symptoms for depression. The next being anxiety. Approximately 19.1 million American adults between the ages of 18 to 54 have an anxiety disorder. 3,020,000 men have a panic disorder, agoraphobia, which is a fear of being in crowds or open areas, or any other phobia in general, followed by bipolar disorder, 2.3 million Americans are affected by bipolar disorder. Men and women honestly develop the disorder equally. The age of onset for men is usually between the ages of 16 to 25 years old. Shout out to our episode on depression. If y'all don't know what bipolar disorder really feels like or honestly what depression feels like, Allie did an amazing job with our depression episode. I highly recommend going to listen to that one after you're done here. Psychosis and schizophrenia is next on the list approximately 3.5 million people in the u.s are diagnosed with schizophrenia and it is one of the leading causes of disability about 90 percent of people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia by the age of 30 are men
2: whoa Whoa.
1: that's crazy
2: that uh-huh yeah did not know that
1: real and like the only representation i can think of that is spencer i think He had schizophrenia or had the chance of getting it from Criminal Minds.
0: I think that you're correct. I do think that Spencer, either they alluded to that or he did end up having it. I stopped watching Criminal Minds, but I do think that you are absolutely correct on that. Shout out to Spencer because he's fucking adorable. Agreed. I also have a maybe correlation written on here. Schizophrenia also can be unsought by a chemical reaction to certain chemicals or drugs. I would actually be really curious if the number of people affected by schizophrenia is due to substance exposure or abuse subsequent to other less severe mental health concerns or issues or honestly just bad fucking days. Like schizophrenia is such a chemical break. I'm just really curious if men are more at risk of it because men honestly are more reckless with their physical being in general. Yeah, that's a good
1: point. Yeah.
0: And honestly, I didn't even realize that that was a thing until one of my psychology professors was talking about a student of hers. And this guy went to a farm party like, and he went totally normal and he has no idea what he took, but he popped a pill and he woke up, quote unquote, woke up never the same like dude tried to kill his little sister because he didn't even know who she was wow real like that's terrifying and nobody talks about it like that like schizophrenia is not just this imperfect moment in your brain it is that but sometimes it can be brought on by things that you're putting in your body that don't belong there that is why it's so important to never fuck with drugs that you don't know what they are or what they'll do to your body i'm not saying that all pills are bad but bro you gotta know what you're doing to your body before you do it
1: yeah Yeah, Jesus Christ.
0: The next one I actually think is really fucking interesting because when I think of eating disorders, I do not think of men, but male eating disorders account for an estimated 10% of patients with anorexia or bulimia and an estimated 35% of those with binge eating disorders. Men with eating disorders are less likely to seek professional help than any woman with an eating disorder that's crazy to me
2: you know it kind of takes me back to I remember when I started my fitness journey and just being aware in the gym you know seeing I remember connecting with people in the gym I was connecting a lot more with the women because you know they were in there to have like more healthier lifestyles versus some of the men I was meeting and it was a strictly image-based thing and some of the tips they were giving me I'm like I didn't want to, like, offend them in the moment, but I was like, this does sound like an eating disorder. Because the obsession with every little thing you put in your body and the obsession with looking in a mirror every time you work out or paying attention to how you're looking physically versus how your body is feeling was, like, really concerning for me when I first started out.
0: I really fucking appreciate that you shared that.
2: Thank you.
1: I think that's a great call out, too, because... There's a lot of talk in society about how selfies and social media puts a lot of pressure on girls, but it puts a lot of pressure on boys too, especially now I think about superhero movies for example. Oh, Chris Evans and his six-pack. That's like the standard for men now, and there are images of men photoshopping six-packs onto their bodies in completely the wrong spot, let me tell you. So, basic anatomy check, please. <laughs> if you're gonna do it do it right please Mm
2: -hmm. two inches to the left people
1: (laughs) (laughs) but point being is that there's different expectations now than what I personally grew up with and I think we need to recognize it's not just there for women it's there for men too and I think we'll just see more of the eating disorders on the male side continue to grow yeah I think you're absolutely
0: correct I really do and I also really recognize that I mean as you were saying that and I was thinking about heroes out there my favorite hero that stands out in my head as like a male hero figure is Hopper and Hopper has a beer gut and he's a total asshole but like that's my hero but I guarantee you if you asked any dude he's not the hero that they go to right like when you think of that and you think of that physical presence that's not it I know my answer is not a normal answer is what I'm saying so I just really think that that imagery and that ideology is such an important thing to call out and I really appreciate that you did Allie, because I don't think that men and boys are having enough conversations about body positive imagery and Shout out to our equal opportunity, attractiveness and body positivity episode where we specifically talk about male body image issues in that episode as well as female. But I really, really do appreciate that you brought it into this episode specifically in this eating disorder information because I didn't realize that men with eating disorders was so high and yet, Folan, when you said like the dudes at the gym and, and the constant watching the mirror and the constant obsessing over what's going into your body, that- you're right it is and there's so many men out there who really think that that's their contribution to society and it's just not
2: and it's even worse for like certain subsistence because i think like especially with like queer men who already have issues with how the world sees their masculinity who have this obsession with getting like an adonis body right and they're doing so many unhealthy things to keep that adonis body and then i'm like wondering like Okay, should every young like gay man be seeing someone in a six pack and giant packs all the time? I think that's what they need to look like in order to feel masculine. Mm-hmm. So it's like definitely going back to all those imagery things you're talking about. I'm like, what kind of messaging are we sending these people at such a young age?
0: Real. Absolutely real. And we are gonna come back to the young age thing. So dear listeners, please don't think that we're getting away from that at all because this starts with your sons. Hear me say that. I have a brief disclaimer before we head into the next section of information because I think it's really important. This is an additional content warning as the following will be discussing concepts of suicide, abuse, and substance abuse. Trigger warnings ahead. According to the Mental Health Awareness website... There was a title on the page, which honestly I couldn't, I, I just took the title because it was the most appropriate title, even though it gave me heebie-jeebies. So I just had to tell you guys it gave me heebie-jeebies, but now I'm going to use it. Uh, it was Fast Facts on Suicide, which isn't funny,
2: but... It's very blight. <laughs> mm, <yeah.
0: laughs> so So blunt. <laughs> Okay, I'm laughing because I'm a bad person and everybody knows
1: that. It's fine. No, it's an awkward situation. There shouldn't be fast facts on suicide, but there is because it's a real scenario. Like, it's a real thing.
2: Yeah. It's like a top 10 video.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But, like, in not a great way. And I really think that people... Dear listeners, stay tuned. We're going to have an episode about suicide at some point. But I really think when people talk about suicide, they really lose the fact that it is bigger than just the person you know who committed suicide. Mm -hmm. I really, that sounds terrible and selfish and wrong. And I don't mean it in the sense of like people are being selfish and terrible and wrong when they do that. Grief is grief is grief. You mourn that loss. That's a terrible loss. But I feel like then people really only associate suicide to the suicides that they have experienced themselves in their lives. And it's so much bigger than that because there's so many things that go into it for everybody. So I really, really wanted to spend some time talking about it, especially if the suicide rate is really built of 90% men. We need to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So the following are labeled risk factors, quote unquote, which are factors including social isolation, substance abuse, unemployment, military related trauma genetic predisposition and other mood disorders that put individuals at a higher risk for suicide the next subset is quote-unquote among the elderly quote the highest suicide rates in the u.s are found in caucasian men over the age of 85 holy shit never could
2: have told me
1: that whoa both of our faces were like what
2: yeah
0: (laughs) i know i saw that one blew my mind too The next subset is, quote unquote, on the rise. Quote, male suicides have been on the rise since 2000. Suicide is the seventh leading cause of death among males, accounting for 2.2 of all male deaths in 2011. 2.2 of all deaths in an entire year were suicide by men. That's insane. What the fuck?
2: Like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck this wow.
0: hmm The next subset being quote unquote sexual orientation. Quote, gay and bisexual men are more likely to develop mental health disorders than heterosexual men. Gay men are at an increased risk of suicide attempts, especially before the age of twenty-five. Whoa. And I think the reason for that is super fucking obvious because people are not good to men when they are coming out. Like Uh. people are so fucking brutal to men when they come out. Shout out to our bisexuality episode with Tyler. Folin, I bet you can attest to that as well. Like people are not good to men. Say things about this.
2: Oh, yeah. No, like literally it's the point that now we're like we're having to even as a community considering stopping coming out because it's becoming such a traumatic thing for people to go through to where it's more of we're like you have our own elders saying maybe we should just let people live their lives. And if it comes up, they can talk about it because you see. I remember I grew up in like the 2010s era of kids coming out and then committing suicide right after. And, you know, the videos and the things of that uh, nature coming out. And it's like, you see how people were acting after the fact, but during the fact it was general humiliation. It was such, it was trauma after trauma after trauma just from a singular event. And it stays with you for years because you, you're you not coming out to just one person. It's almost like you come out to every person you meet.
1: Right, mm-hmm.
2: And just like that rejection you're going to face is just going to build and build and build. And it's it creates so many opportunities for destruction.
0: I think it's really important the way that you said that specifically. And I just want to frame this up for any hetero listeners who might not understand the, the what you just said, mm-hmm. which is every time we come out to somebody who doesn't know that we are out, there's a new opportunity of us getting hurt. There's a new opportunity of us getting spit in the face. There's a new opportunity of somebody who we cared about not caring about us back. Mm -hmm. That's real across the whole entire LGBTQ plus community. But specifically what you're saying and what our research has proven throughout all of the episodes that we've hit on this is that men are drastically mistreated when they come out as opposed to women. And I don't understand Why that is, other than what we're talking about right now, in that if the norm was men and it was not normal for quote unquote men to be homosexual, that suddenly made it this crazy thing. And I really think that that goes back as far as we can really honestly trace homophobia Mm -hmm. is that it was deemed that homophobia was not normal, therefore it was crazy, therefore it was feminine, therefore it was evil, which goes back to fucking Eve and her sinning ass eating the fucking apple (laughs) like bitch shouldn't have cheated on her diet and we would all been fine
2: one more day
1: (laughs) but the weird thing is the fact that it was accepted in in like ancient Mm -hmm. times i don't understand yeah i mean i understand how we got away from it i just fucking hate i hate stupid people That's really all I have.
0: Yeah. Agreed. But that's specifically why I didn't say from the dawn of homosexuality. That's why I specifically said from the dawn of homophobia, because those two things, dear listener, are not the same fucking date. Yeah. Yeah. The last category in the fast facts on suicide is labeled as gender disparity, quote unquote. Quote, more than four times as many men as women die by suicide in the U.S. In 2010, a total of 38,364 Americans died by suicide and 79% of those suicides were men. Wow. Damn. Oh my christ that's a lot of fucking men yeah that's a lot of people in general but that's a lot of fucking men the next section that we're going to talk about specifically is substance abuse, which also needs its own area because super, super different than other people's issues and traumas. People who struggle with substance abuse, that's an entirely different ball game than people who struggle with bipolar disorder, which is not to say that people who struggle with bipolar disorder cannot suffer from substance abuse, which is just as fucking dangerous as them by themselves. So please, everybody, hear me say this next set of information is specifically about substance abuse and how dangerous that can be independently. The first category being alcohol dependency. This blew my mind, especially because I live in Wisconsin and this shouldn't blow my mind. And here we are. Approximately one in five men develop an alcohol dependency during their lives. What? One in five. I'd actually argue that men create these dependencies together more often than not, honestly.
2: Oh, oh, death. And it starts like as early as college and high school.
0: If not earlier, yes, because welcome to Wisconsin. I had my first beer at 12. Yeah, I'm not proud of that, but I am saying that's real. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think in our area, especially, it's just a norm. I mean, what do you do here? You go... a bonfire and you drink
0: and then you go to church yeah and then you go drink after church (laughs)
1: exactly that doesn't equate to everyone obviously but it is very much a social norm here
0: and i honestly think that even though it is the social norm here i recognize it's a social norm everywhere i do People don't yeah. go drinking by themselves just because they go drinking by themselves. Drinking is a social activity more often than not, and that's okay. I am not downing drinking as a social activity what I'm saying is if you are starting to develop a problem or you recognize somebody who you usually go to do social drinking with is developing a problem it's really your job to say something it's your job to be their friend and say you know what you've really taken our thing that's sort of a fun thing and brought it to a place that I'm really worried about do we need to have a conversation about that and they might be pissed about it they might not want to talk about that but seriously say the words because otherwise you're enabling their drinking habit. And I promise there's a bunch of little girls and little boys who really wish more than anything that their daddy would come home sober for one night. So say something. The next category is bisexual and gay men. Homosexual men are more likely to have higher rates of substance abuse than heterosexual men. So this one I want to talk about because I'm really curious as to why you guys think that's a thing. I am I have nothing written down, completely open to you guys. Why is it more common for homosexual men abuse drugs than it is for straight men?
2: Well, it's, it's interesting when you look at the community, how majority of the places of gathering are bars versus actual like regular old libraries and things like that, which we do have. But in most cities, the most common place you can go find queer people is at a gay bar. So it's interesting to see, like, that's kind of been like our main space of social gathering, especially because that's kind of where the, you know, gay liberation movement started at the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar. And you have the harassment, like, you know, have these few clubs and stuff that are, you know, accessible spaces for queer people without judgment or harassment. But because it's the one space we kind of had without being essentially attacked and ostracized is kind of the one thing we've held onto. And so in that haven, you kind of latch on to everything there. You latch on the drug use, you latch on to the alcohol use, because in those havens where you don't have much, that's kind of all you got, that's where you're going to go. And honestly, it has to kind of go back to the alcohol and drugs is sometimes used as a numbing portion. It's easier to numb the pain if you can't feel it and if you're not lucid enough to do it. I know gay and bi and queer men who are engaged in substance abuse and have to you know, end up coming out by the time they're 30, 35, talking about how long they've been involved in it. Some come out even younger, but it's it's a huge prevalent part of the community that definitely needs to be talked about.
0: I appreciate everything you just fucking said. Thank you. And the other thing that stood out to me while you were saying that is, I bet that it's a very normalizing factor, right? Like, Mm -hmm. being in the gay community is one thing, and yes, it's a community, but there's so much stigma even within the gay community. Yeah. All three of us have seen that. Mm -hmm. So I really recognize that if I were to go to a gay bar being in a place of fragility in my outness and just wanting to be accepted and be included in this community that says I am welcome here and I belong here even though I'm not gay enough to actually belong here right because I'm bi and that's what people say about me
2: which is wrong
0: oh my god yes without question I'm not uh, that wasn't me endorsing that
2: biphobia is trash
0: so trash. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was not me promoting biphobia. I'm just saying, like,
2: yeah.
0: Here, here's me with this opportunity to make friends who wear the same flag that I do. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, the only way that I can really get them to like me is maybe if I take a bump with them. Like, I recognize that that's probably a very real aspect of that community.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's super interesting that you bring that to light because... Wow, I feel old. But like back in my heyday. (laughs) The fact you said heyday. (laughs) When I had like a roommate. (laughs) Truly right out of high school when my life was a little bit crazy. I'm also bi and had a roommate who had a gay boss. And I just had a lot of LGBTQ plus community in my life. And there were things available within that community. And I never really put like... Two and two together, so things just clicked in my head. Yeah.
0: I think it's really important, though, that all three of us had this conversation from a different perspective, and yet we're all saying the exact same thing. Exactly. Like, I think that's really important for... Not only other members of the LGBTQ plus community to hear, because I think we're normalizing their experiences as well. But also for members of the straight community to hear, because seriously, you guys don't understand that when we say that being the way that we are is lonely as fuck. This is what we're talking about. This is what we mean by that. (laughs) So when Folan says people are saying that they're not going to come out anymore, that breaks my fucking heart because the hetero community is enforcing the hatred that is in the LGBTQ plus community with all of the stigmas and hate and problems that there are out there. And I just think that we all need to grow the fuck up. And we say it all the time. What happens between my legs is none of your fucking business. Who I have sex with and marry and love is none of your fucking business. I shouldn't have to do drugs in order to fit in. Mm -hmm. Go lay down.
1: Go lay down. Go. Go. I have dogs. I'm not yelling at a person.
0: She does talk to me like that, though, just so you know. (laughs) So I really appreciate that we could talk about it from that perspective. And dear listeners, I hope that that was as educational and as enlightening for you as it was for all of us in this little bonding moment, because that was cool as fuck. The next category is labeled military veterans. Male veterans, regardless of their form of service, experience nearly two times the rate of alcohol and drug abuse as women as a whole. Wow. That's insane.
1: That's not shocking to me, and this is just... Hmm.
0: Not shocking to me either. And we're going to come back to this specifically. I have a whole section on veterans mental health specifically because that's really, really important to me. But to see the statistics spelled out that way couldn't be passed. Like, seriously, you guys, the man to woman ratio is not the same. There is a gender disparity. There is more men than women. And yet two times as many women exist is the number of men in a form of service that have a substance dependency. That's fucking insane. hmm Some other information that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to share from this site specifically was famous athletes with mental illnesses because I feel like more often than not, men are really common in idolizing famous athletes as a justice of norm. And I think that's totally fine. I think that's absolutely fair. But I loved that this website included it. So I just wanted to include it in this episode. The first being my dude Terry Bradshaw, Shout out to Terry. A former Steelers quarterback who suffered frequent panic attacks after games. He was diagnosed with clinical depression in the late 1990s. Dude can still rock a pocket square, though. I'm telling
1: (laughs) you. That was all Latin to me.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) No, I appreciated that you told me who he was.
0: (laughs) I mean, Bay knew who I was talking about.
2: (laughs) Yeah, of course. You know. know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The next being... I might say his name wrong, so I'm really sorry. Keon Duelling, an NBA player. Dooling's 2012 breakdown was his lowest point and prompted his recovery process. He suffers from PTSD from years of repressed memories of sexual abuse as a child. Leaving the NBA, he became an advocate for sexual abuse victims. Shout out to our episode on consent and to Keon Duelling for being a sexual assault advocate. Like... My fucking hero. Thank you. Definitely. The next being Larry Sanders, who was the center for the Milwaukee Bucks. Shout out to Milwaukee. He left the NBA to spend time addressing his mental health issues, which included anxiety and depression. Some other male celebrities who are open about having depression include these I found by myself because I didn't love that they were all athletes because that just feels very stereotypical and the website only provided athletes. So I did my own investigating and found the following. John Hamm, Chris Evans, James Franco. Oh, yes, please. Jim Carrey. Love Jim Carrey. Robert Pattinson, Eminem, my dog. Michael Phelps, which I thought was really interesting. I had no idea that Michael Phelps had any sort of public mental health concerns that he was sharing. Owen Wilson, Hugh Lowry, which I thought you would be really proud of because I know that you're a big Hugh fan. Yep. Brad Pitt and Ryan Reynolds. Shout out to Ryan Reynolds, love of my life, and Blake Lively. I would love to be in a throuple with you. Thank you for your consideration.
2: (laughs) I love it. I will message them personally for you. (laughs)
0: Thank you, my love. So what do you guys think about that? Do you guys have any other celebrities that you can think of specifically in the male world that I might have missed who would be good people to bring up?
2: I think it was surprising that you missing Michael Phelps because I just read like literally Two or three days ago about him saying he had a suicide attempt right after like the 2012 Olympics, I think it was, or 2008 Olympics, when he became the Michael Phelps. And it was interesting, like him talk about that, because I think people also only think depression and suicide only happen during very low periods of your life. And I understand it can happen in high successful periods as well, just as much. So especially hearing about that was a lot.
0: I really just want to highlight the reason that people can experience depression even in really high moments is because think about it Michael Phelps trained his whole fucking life from the time he came out of the nutsack until the time he won his first gold medal he's been swimming dude's been swimming from every moment of existence and now he's won the thing that he's been working for his whole life now what That has to be depressing as fuck. Like, honestly, it does. So really, you guys, that moment of high, although it's beautiful, some people don't look at it that way. Some people just don't. So please recognize that. Mm Allie, you were going to say something important, I know it.
1: So I have two call-outs, the first being one that a lot of people probably knew. So Robin Williams struggled with a lot of things, some of those being substance abuse and one being Lewy body syndrome. But as far as I'm aware, he also struggled with depression. And I think a great call-out there was that it's an everybody thing. Like you could have all the money and all the fame and all the glory and still suffer from it. And I think that's really important to say. And then the other more recent-ish callout in a musical world is Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park yeah that's
0: a really great call out oh
1: yeah i remember that
0: and that hurt my heart in a way i wasn't ready for so thank you for that that's what i had i really appreciate all of those contributions i think all of the points made really helped bolster the integrity of that section of information not only as i presented it but also for our listeners to hear because you guys we're not just talking about celebrities so that you have a face to put to this concept we're serious. Like these people are people that we look up to under any other circumstances. Why would we change that now that we're talking about mental health? These people who have accomplished incredible feats of life, human abnormalities to this magnificent extent that we put on a pedestal. Why wouldn't we put them on that same pedestal when we're talking about mental health? Why wouldn't we look up to them in that way? They're the strongest people we know because of X, Y, or Z, and that includes their depression, that includes their mental health, and if we're proud of them and we aspire to be like them in our bench press or in our breaststroke or in whatever the case may be, we should strive to be like them in being as open and as honest and as real about our mental health as well. That
1: was beautifully said.
0: So I really appreciate that we could talk about mental health from that view and that perspective. And I would love to move on with our conversation. The next section I have titled as a conversation point. So I really want to open this up to us specifically and dear listeners to you as well. I invite you to think about this as well. So my question is, y'all know that little boys have mental health too, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So, I want us to talk about that. I want us to talk about where mental health for men honestly starts.
2: Yeah. I say really it's when you see the softer emotions come out of boys is when we first start seeing that deterioration and that hiding of mental health, because boys just don't wake up one day and they're just like, oh, I don't want to show emotion anymore. Typically, it starts from being shamed out of them a lot of times by figures of any gender. Because of how it's generally understood, boys need to be tough. They need to be more calm, neutral. Showing a lot of emotions is is therefore seen as feminine and therefore seen as bad, which is so toxic for them because during their developmental years, they're already having the cycle of, I go through this intense amount of emotion, shove it down. Intense amount of emotion, shove it down. And it getting started that early. It's so detrimental because typically, you know, in your younger years is when people are able to break you out of bad habits and bad cycles before you even get started in adulthood. But they're going into adulthood with such a strong foundation of neglecting their own emotions and symptoms of mental illness that. They're never going to even understand how to deal with it because it's so ingrained in them not to deal with it. I remember um, just from having like conversations with other boys on the playground where, you know, for the first few years, you can cry on the playground with your friends like seven, eight and nine and ten. And then it's somewhere around that transition period from elementary to junior high and middle school where all of a sudden it's not okay to cry anymore not just in public but especially around other men it's something that oh dad my dad told me you're not supposed to do that and typically it's like a I've seen it as like a bully moment like oh you're not supposed to do that but everyone feels the shame of that Mm -hmm. and once that it stops feeling like you're no longer safe if you show emotion in front of the other boys too, that automatically either you're gay or you're less of a man or you're less of a boy, that you need to go around with the girls because they do all of that when you realize the girls actually had a healthier processing for their <laughs> for their emotions, even though they're still ostracized for showing that same emotion. And it's just It's a really interesting dichotomy to see how before you can even start really understanding yourself as a person, you've already developed this very ugly habit that's going to follow you for the rest of your life unless you or someone encourages you really to break that cycle.
0: I just want to just fucking standing ovation to everything that you just said because... Girl, yes.
2: For real, (laughs) like...
1: That was beautiful, and it broke my heart, too, because thinking of Moose coming out in those years... Yes. I mean, he's nowhere near those years, but (laughs) thinking of him getting to those years and feeling that he can't or he couldn't show those emotions or, like, that it's not okay to express himself, really... Yeah. That
0: breaks my fucking heart. Like, that destroys me, because... No. Dear listeners, Allie is actually having a crying moment right now because this is how real this is. This is as mothers to us and as human beings and to Fallen, too. Like, you guys, this is real. We need to create safe spaces for our boys. And the next information is really going to talk about this, this crisis that we're having, which is really this conversation from a much more medical and articulate perspective. But I'm fucking serious, you guys. Something that was really interesting to me that you said, specifically that i want to highlight is you said it's that transition period from like elementary to middle school you know what else happens in that transitional period your fucking balls drop
2: yeah Puberty.
0: I'm really curious if that has something to do with it. If if we are literally as a society and as a culture, we are enforcing this training that once your balls have dropped and you have hit puberty, you're no longer allowed to be a soft and beautiful and emotional human being. And that's wrong. That's irresponsible and wrong. And the reason that Allie is crying is because we have the most beautiful little boy in our lives. And the idea of that little boy being tarnished by The hate and negligence of just toxic masculinity being forced on somebody that we love. Just, I don't know. Allie, I'm not trying to speak for you, but...
1: Oh, no, you're you're fine. I'm over here with mascara in my eyes now, so hello. (laughs) (laughs) I think two of the important call-outs is, one, I think it's weird that emotions are seen as soft... They're just emotions. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Everybody has them. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really dumb. Let's just normalize emotions for being emotions. Agreed. And two, Fulan, I really want to get your opinion on this. So I was thinking about this today in preference for this episode. My son is one of few boys in his class at daycare currently and he's big. <laughs> There's a reason his nickname is Moose. Mm-hmm.
0: He's a big boy.
1: <laughs> and when he has tantrums, like any toddler does, he goes ragey. And maybe I'm wrong in this assumption, but I feel like boy rage is handled in a different manner than girl rage. Male rage is seen as more dangerous and not as accepted as as an okay emotion to process. So men are forced to and maybe I'm just speculating entirely, but men are forced to like process it a different way, which are which is detrimental to mental health.
2: No, absolutely. I
0: just second everything that Allie had to say. I I also want answers to this.
2: No, I definitely agree. I would third it because I would say male rage is never de-escalated. It is almost villainized and criminalized, especially when they're young, which as we know will create problems when you're older because We don't start of oh, there is a solution to this. We see this, oh this is their inherent nature like a beast, and that you just need to tame them versus how do we get to the understandings? I think the biggest thing, which makes me like emotional, because I saw like this video the other day of this woman who had her child and he was having a tantrum. And so she was, she was breathing and she was blowing air in his face to calm him down and just breathing, doing breathing exercises with him. And I'm like, I've never seen anyone calm a boy that way before. And it made me cry because I was like, in a moment of empathy that I think a lot of people don't have when boys are in rage and understanding that a boy's rage can come from a hurt place. And I think that's the big disconnect is that they think it's just there rather than this could be something that has been triggered. It could be a trauma response. And it could really just be how they're reacting emotionally. And rather than just, oh, go in the corner. Sometimes people, you know, still discipline their kids, which...
0: Be quiet.
2: Yeah, and just shut up and get out of my face. Like, no, the there's no work to actually understand what brought this on. That it's not just this is how they are, that we can actually go in. And a lot of people don't do the work to understand why boys get from a one to a ten and just rather than just accepting, oh, they're just going to be at the ten.
1: Yeah, exactly. I echo
0: all of that. And I think that everything that you said was so valuable. And really what I recognize before we get into this next section of information, which is absolutely, this conversation was necessary, I think, to go into this next piece of information, which I also think is going to answer some of our questions. But I love that we could have this conversation. I'm so grateful for the space that we created to have this conversation. But really what I want to call out, you guys, to you and dear listeners you try suppressing your feelings and you tell me what you come up with you try being told that you're not allowed to cry because you got punched in the mouth you're not allowed to cry because your parents are getting divorced and you're terrified you're not allowed to say that you're afraid because your uncle is touching you you're not allowed to be anything other than happy because you're a boy what are you gonna feel you're gonna feel fucking mad. I cannot internalize, I am not that person. If I try to internalize my feelings, they come out as fucking rage and that's anything. That is any feeling because I don't internalize. I have to talk about things and if I don't, they manifest and they fester into outright Italian hyena rage. And then I rip some fucking people's throats out and it's a bad day for all. I can't imagine that being the norm as a little boy. Like you guys, seriously, we have to be better to boys If we have any hope for men in the future. All of that.
2: Amen to that.
0: Which leads me to the article title, which I think is incredibly appropriate to really encapsulate this conversation, which is, are we facing a mental health crisis for boys? from edutopia.org, quote, emphasizing stoicism, toughness, and competition can leave boys without the emotional tools they need to thrive. How can we change course before the problem gets out of hand? End quote. The article was written by a couple of different people. There was a lot of information in here, so I'm going to do my best to make sure that I break it out the way that the article did, but if I don't, please forgive me. Quote, while Nicole Way was working toward her PhD in counseling at Harvard in the late 1980s, she was struck by the fact that boys frequently told her during therapy sessions that they wished that they had better friendships. Decades later, Way, now a professor of developmental psychology at NYU and the author of Deep Secrets, boys friendship and the crisis of connection has interviewed thousands of boys and has found little change at all. Wow. So I want to talk about what Dr. Way did discover. Cause I think that that's really fucking important. Dr. Way discovered that although boys desire connections with peers, they tend to distance themselves as they age due to social stigmas. Bolin. Did you not just say that to us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quote the culture of hyper masculinity makes it harder for boys to form relationships and that leads to a crisis of connection said dr way one high school boy quoted in dr way's book said quote this broke my fucking heart i feel pretty lonely and sometimes depressed because i don't have anyone to go out with no one to speak to on the phone no one to tell my secrets I tried to look for a person, you know, but it's not that easy, end quote. I really feel like this quote spoke for all of us when he said that. Like, I really think that most people feel this way at some point in their life, no matter how many people they actually could turn to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really recognize, I just think that that feeling of, I don't have anybody to talk to about this right now is really, really normal. And I want everybody to hear me say that. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it is normal to not have anybody to talk to, but feeling that way is. Quote, while the teenage years have always been a time for critical development and heightened emotions, America's teens now seem to be struggling more than ever, especially boys. End quote. One study found that rates of depression increased by 52% in the teens between 2005 and 2017 and then again in 2019 oh wow that's insane 70 percent of teens reported having anxiety and depression as major problems in their lives quote for boys in particular there has been an alarming rise in suicide among older teens 15 and older according to this information since 2000 and they die by suicide at a three to four times rate of girls.
1: That's insane. Wow.
0: I'm speechless. Real. So, Phelan, this is where I would really love for you to say some things about mental health for boys, like, specifically in your experience. What can you really bring to boys in this conversation who might be listening to us say, it's okay to talk to somebody? Like, please work your magic, do your thing, (laughs) insert here.
2: I got you. I would say the boys definitely growing up in, you know, 2021- especially in this post pandemic, still pandemic, to be honest, real um, area as we're not just recovering from such a traumatizing period of life, but also the social, emotional, mental recoveries that come from the isolation we face because it's gotten even worse is one understanding that it is never a weakness to say that you are not okay as much as other boys around you or men in your life may suggest that it is, it is probably one of the bravest things you can do. I was a person, even as a queer teen, who I didn't really like talking about my feelings and how upset things made me or anything like that. I really just had like these peak rage moments. And it wasn't until I started talking about it sometimes with other boys where it was this understanding of how did we get here and it was this empathy moment we had where just from saying I see you I understand that you went on the same emotional path and I understand how this one event maybe this one comment this one particular day this one bad day at school this one bad conversation with a friend could have set us down this path of being angry and going through anxiety and depression and i also understand that you don't have to have yourself figured out or be the person someone expects you to be before you go off into the adult world you don't have to be these molds of perfect guys you don't have to fit what everyone says a boy should be by time you're going in to your manhood around age 18, 19, when people say you are supposed to. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to mess up. You're allowed to really grow from your mistakes, and you're allowed to be the version of you you want to be. And that version can include being soft, not being angry, being empathetic, being an open listener, having an open heart, understanding people who are different from you and not being ashamed of it, you know, I think one of the biggest things with boys is we all fit, we feel we have to fit a certain mold. And really, some of our best friendships come from realizing we don't fit that mold and meeting other people who are like that with you. Um, I know some of my closest guy friends, you know, it was simply from understanding hey, do you experience this too? Do you feel this way too outside of what you think everyone else does? And those moments of honesty created some of the best male, male friendships I've ever had, you know. And, you know, it's okay to let your guard down. It's okay not to be okay. And to understand that that mold that people tell you, you have to be this stoic, hard all the time, throw it out the window. That's not a human. That's a robot. That's a brick wall that eventually is going to crumble on itself. Your strength comes from the empathy, from feeling those emotions and living through them and getting help for them when you need to. That's where that true strength comes from that they keep telling you you need to have. It's not in the loneliness, it's in the willingness to step outside the loneliness and say, I need help. That is some of the strongest things you can do. And anyone who tells you that it isn't can fuck off, literally they mean you no good at all
0: real Mm -hmm. they just want to keep you down
1: all of that was so beautiful and why are you (laughs) you not like a motivational speaker or like i seriously you said so many things that i was like that is written somewhere he's taking that from somewhere Because it was so beautiful and spot on. And I'm going to re-listen to this and write it down for future conversations with my son. Honestly. Real.
0: I'm serious.
1: People
2: tell me that, but I'm also like, I'm on my own self-love journey, so I don't feel qualified to talk to anyone yet. I'm like Same. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dealing with a lot of crap. So I'm like, should I be giving anyone I'm advice? A hot
0: mess. Don't
2: listen <laughs> For to me. real. Like, I'm not for sure <laughs> this is a 100% correct. I'm just talking about what I'm feeling at the moment <laughs> what has been fine for me.
1: Well, apparently the self-love journey that both of you are on creates beautiful orators out of both of you. And I'm just over here like, hey. <laughs> Hi, dead inside. I can barely add one plus one. <laughs> I'm dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We love you,
0: though, and you're so necessary for these conversations. Like, seriously, because I don't have a little boy. So the only attachment that I have specifically to this conversation is the little boys that I have helped raise in my dating life and also Moose. So your perspective and your feelings and your thoughts on this are absolutely so important to me. And I just I really mean it, you guys. You guys were the best people to do this episode with. So I'm very grateful for you.
1: Thank you. You were too. <laughs> I'm grateful for both of you as well. And I'm grateful that I had a Kleenex box on this table.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs>
1: I'm going to grab mine real? later because
0: just you wait. There's going to be real fucking tears Bad by this one, just <laughs> so you know. Something that I think is really important to just wrap up that specific thought with about the boys thing, though, in young boys. And I feel like as the mom who does not have a boy and no penis, so I've never been a boy, I'm the least prepared to offer this advice. But I think it's really important to say. So either of you are welcome to add on to this as... As i say the things but dear parents this relationship building technique that Fullen is talking about with your sons that's something that you instill in your children mm-hmm. teach your children to be nice to people teach your children to listen to people not in the sense of a respect way only but to truly listen to someone when they're having an experience about something when your child ignores the fact that another child got hurt don't encourage that you encourage that your child pays attention to the fact that someone else was hurt and for five minutes it's not about your child it's about someone else because your child will recognize that they will recognize that pattern in putting other people first even if it's momentarily i am not telling you to teach your children to be these selfless loving giving machines at all times because that's also toxic if overdone but i really mean it teach your children kindness Do not teach your children to be the bully and to hold those things in themselves. Teach them to be there for each other because otherwise we're never going to get away from this.
2: Literally
0: you guys say things because again, I'm the least prepared person to do that. I would say
2: from experience, most of the time the callousness you hear from boys, almost nine times out of ten, the response when a teacher asks, Where did you get this from? They was like, My dad, literally, that was like the one of the immediate like responses. Like, if they called a boy like a sissy for crying or getting hurt and actually being upset about it, if they called them sometimes a slur, you know, a lot of gay slurs that used when boys feel emotion, which I always blew my mind because i'm like these two things have no correlation with each other literally but you have it made it that way just so you can ostracize their emotion even more Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. it's two birds in one stone let's hate the gay guy and let's hate the guy who's crying let's let's just fuck everybody over today
2: (laughs) exactly like i know so many men who do not think crying is okay because it makes them makes them seem gay i'm like Wanting to be with someone of the same sex and needing to cry because you're having a bad fucking day are two different things. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm it's over, like
0: I'm over here laughing because my answer is you wanting to shed a tear and suck a dick are not the same thing, sir. Thank you.
2: Period. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> And so it's like parents literally course correct this crap when it's that early on because y'all lead to it's the stupid ideologies they pass to their kids about emotions that I'm like, you spiral like snowball this stuff when it does not need to be like this is so
0: easy. Yes, preach real. Allie, do you have any thoughts on any of that before we move forward with the rest of this crisis?
1: No, I think it's. I mean, I think it's all really spot on. Just work through your kids, both with emotions that others are having and emotions that they're having. Like, when Moose gets upset, there are times with, I hope, any toddler where you're at your peak and you're like, Jesus Christ, I don't know right now. Like, I don't have this.
0: If you don't have that, you're lying. Shut up. Get off of our show. (laughs)
1: We almost always try to ask, what happened? What are you feeling? Can you talk to me about it? And then after any tantrum, I always say, those were some big emotions. Han, do you want to talk about it? And nine times out of ten, he has no idea why he was upset. Generally because it was just like, whatever the fuck. Because
0: he's three and he gets angry. Yeah.
1: yeah, The green car was out instead of the red car. You know. (laughs) But...
0: (laughs) Because Auntie Les said this was my mama and it wasn't her mama. She's my mama, obviously.
1: Yep, exactly. But like validating those emotions and those feelings and letting them know that they're okay and they're justified and that's totally fine is the first step.
0: I love that you guys do that.
2: I love that. I really do. Man.
0: That's so beautiful. Uh,
2: that touches my heart.
0: It really does. So this article went on to say specifically... While there is no one cause, psychologists and educators point to increasing pressures to succeed in school and a growing resilience on technology that can leave kids feeling isolated and vulnerable. According to experts, boys can struggle more than girls because they have fewer tools to cope with emotions and stressors and they are less likely to get the help that they need, which I think we've really talked about. Like why? Like boys aren't facilitating friendships because people aren't teaching their boys to be good friends and good friends listen to each other when they talk about feelings. Good friends are there for each other when you need a good cry. That shit starts even as children the definition of a good friend starts in our youngest years so seriously teach your kids how to be that so really i also want to call out that this is hugely in part because let's get into our little time machines we have evolutionarily conditioned men to associate quote unquote inferior for being out of the norm the norm meaning man so this goes back to if you weren't a man you were a woman and only women have mental health problems and i really think that that is why even today in 2021 there are fully grown men who don't understand that their boys are experiencing mental health problems Yep. so really how do we unlearn this I personally believe that this needs to be on the shoulders of men. So, dear men, be better role models for boys. They are watching you. Hold other men accountable. Be the guy who's there for other guys. Talk to your children about your feelings. Be there for them and be there for other people because they are going to emulate everything you do no matter what. If you want to raise strong boys, you need to be a strong man. And that does not mean keeping it all in. That's not the same thing. And we need to get beyond that.
1: Absolutely, I think society as a whole needs to put a foot forward. Because women still rip into men just as much when they don't present as manly. Like I think of the man flu being used as an example of ridicule. There's a lot of cross-like Cross, not bias but you know what I mean that happens so I guess my call to action too is yes boys emulate men generally but women make sure that you're upholding your side as well and don't put any societal norms on your partner or any other men in your life too because the boys are watching
0: let's hear it for the boys all the more reason why I think this was the perfect way to end this series
1: agreed absolutely absolutely
0: the next section that i want to talk about you guys is going to be our longest section which is titled healing Mm. so are you guys ready to get into some healing
1: i love me some healing yes let's do it
0: before we get into talking about help we need to acknowledge sincerely that it is so much easier said than done and i think that it's pretty evident that men especially feel this This next section will be direct quotes from men in our lives and from our social media. We want to thank personally every single man who found the courage to share his perspective and experience as it relates to this research. Some men will remain anonymous according to their preference and some men will be quoted by name. So again, thank you to everybody who participated. The question posed was, if faced with having to get help with a mental health concern, what would stop you from getting help? what things or fears or obstacles or judgments would worry you? I really wanted to start with that because in my personal experience, more often than not, when I have talked to the men in my life about getting mental health, there's this immediate wall that goes up. But when I say why, there's no fucking answer. None that... I as a woman am intelligent enough to understand in my woman brain apparently. So really what I wanted to do was understand from the men in our lives what some of those reasons could be. Now, keep in mind, this could be just a very small select sample of reasons. There could be infinite other reasons why people don't get help. But I really felt like this was a very broad spectrum. And again, thank you to all the men who shared with us to make this possible.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I
0: wanted to start with my guy, Buddy, who is actually one of my oldest friends. And I would consider him like a little brother. Quote, for me, a big fear was admitting defeat, I guess. It sounds silly as I type it. But at the same time, me going to counseling, it felt weak. I felt defeated. I didn't want my peers thinking that I'm a bitch or anything like that. Typical male ego shit, end quote. Yeah. That one, like that specifically just rang so true for me. Like just, I mean, we could, we're not going to, but we could skip all the other reasons of why men don't get mental help because Buddy's answer is the answer more often than not as to why men don't get mental health help. I feel like that's the average answer, honestly.
2: Oh, definitely. It's, it goes to this back to just the ugly stigma against the word mental health, because I see people say mental health more than they say the words mental illness, too, still. And it's like an admission of that is like you have failed in life. Right. Because somehow you haven't lived it properly. And now you have consequences.
0: And now you're ill.
2: Yeah. And, it, and it, we can go into the ableism part of it. We can go into all of it. But it really is that constant thing I've noticed where it's just this feeling. It's like a mission of defeat. And what a lot of therapy does bring out is this admission that you may be broken. And in a world that tells you you need to be this perfect, stoic, put-together man, having to tell, admit to someone that you are broken and you don't know how to put yourself back together is hell for a lot of people
0: oh my god this totally just even occurred to me you guys i'm I'm not gonna like super dive into this but really seriously as you were just saying that i thought about like the number one phrase that indicates weakness which is what achilles heel right achilles was a greek fucking god yeah he was the epitome of manliness he was all strength and mighty and blood and guts and gore right and what a dude have he had a bad heel he had one imperfection and that's what we tell our now we use that definition of a mythological man to define our own fucking weakness in whatever that is that's wrong
1: yeah spinning off of that my thought was men aren't all the air quotes here supposed to need help whether that means moving a couch whether that means grilling i guess i don't know whether that means with their mental health they're supposed to be able to do it on their own for some reason and Fuck all that noise. Fuck
0: all that noise. Real. Yeah, for real. Brandon B said, for me as an ex-husband and as a father, it was the feeling and the thought of looking vulnerable, breaking through the barriers of male stereotypes. Mm -hmm. The king, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Chris Labar, my best man. He is my best man. Just so everybody knows, shout out to Chris Labar, said, quote, feeling vulnerable, the judgment from others... Coming to terms that you actually need some sort of help or guidance. Admitting to yourself that you actually do need some sort of help <sighs> is yeah. very hard.
2: Yeah, Yo, definitely. It kind of takes me back to this, you know, I know this a lot of my girlfriends, they can just have conversations and realize they may need help. But with so many men... It's the breaking point. And if they survive that breaking point, then they realize they can they need help. Like it takes them to hit such rock bottom to say, okay, can I reach out? and ask for a hand like and it is so emotional because you're like so many people don't get to that point or won't make that past that breaking point and you're just like if we destigmatize it a little bit we could have stopped it from getting this bad
0: exactly Mm -hmm. and also what i want to say about that specifically is that some people really do don't make it simply because human beings are fragile fucking existences you guys we think that we are impenetrable until we realize that we got bit by a bug that was the wrong fucking bug and now we're dead we are not impenetrable so seriously you might be having a bad day and think that you're just gonna take one extra xanax today and that's the day you overdose i'm fucking serious We need to be more careful with ourselves because who knows what's going to happen. I'm not saying live your life in a bubble, but I am saying you need to know that you can't go into every situation just fucking head first, bulldozing through it, not suffering any sort of pain or consequence because the result of that is that you might accidentally take one pill too many and that's a problem. I also really appreciate that you called out specifically, which is something that we're going to talk about again later as we wrap up the episode. But the fact that so many men wait until the problem is so far gone before they need help. And at that point, therapy might not even be what saves you. At that point, you might literally be to a point of needing institutionalization or hospitalization because your shit is so fucked that you're gone. That your mental health problem has disintegrated into an actual fucking illness. Like, that is so fucking real. So, seriously, what we're talking about right now is entirely prevention. And I think that's really important to talk about,
1: too. Agreed to all that. Yeah.
0: Nick from the Booze and Spirits podcast said, quote, This one stuck with me because I have not dated Nick, but I have dated this guy before. That they can't tell me anything I don't already know. I consider myself to be very self-aware and introspective, so I don't see them observing anything in me that I haven't already seen in myself and likely have learned to accept. I honestly feel like many men look at getting help this way. And I just want to say that other people's perspectives can only affect you as deeply as you allow them to in regard to getting help especially. I think that it's important to get help for other perspective in that maybe your way isn't the fucking right way. Maybe there's a better way. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe someone else had a good idea at one time in their life. And I'm not saying this against Nick specifically, but I do know specifically for some of the men in my life who have said oh I don't need help they're just gonna tell me what I already know about myself I already know I'm an asshole okay cool you want to be that way though like you want (laughs) to be an asshole like is that what you're telling me because that's what you're telling me when you say no one's gonna help me get better that's literally you admitting defeat at that point in being whatever way you are and I'm not saying you shouldn't be proud of that but if you're not happy with it you should not be proud of it Next was Thomas from the Movies After Work podcast, and Thomas's quote I really genuinely appreciated just a hair more than the rest of them because I felt this comment so sincerely. Quote, family men like myself who were saved or managed to stop themselves from suicide have a hard time hearing that suicide is just a selfish decision for a momentary problem. The reality for us is that the big push toward the proverbial ledge is when we stop thinking about ourselves and thinking about what we think is best for them instead. End quote. "meaning as a family man tom has faced and other men like tom may have faced this concept of my family is better without me here it's not a selfish thing at that point and people really truly jump to the fact that suicide is selfish i honestly have even been of that position because i think it is but i really really appreciate what tom had to offer in the sense of it's sometimes not a selfish thing" because Because in your mind, you think you're doing a good thing for the people you love. But I promise suicide is never a good thing for the people you love ever. Yeah,
2: it's a lot to hear because, you know, even having been at that point myself, it's some of the common things I especially hear about young people, especially boys was not Oh, I don't think anyone sees me or anyone doesn't hear me is that I think their lives would be better off if I wasn't here. It's literally almost, I think it's an act of consideration, which hurts me so much because they're so removed from their own self-worth and self-love that they think they're no longer existing, is a weight lifted off of somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. And I cannot imagine having barely experienced life at that age if you already believe that about yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, I can But seriously, you guys, the pain of that being someone's mental thought, that's real. We all just need to take a second and sit with that. Not for anything other than recognizing that's a real fucking feeling and how terrible. And everybody is capable of that feeling. Everybody is capable of encountering that. Why wouldn't we be kinder to each other for that reason alone? no other fucking reason and there are millions of other fucking reasons to be good to each other but point blank fucking period that one by itself be good to other people cuz you don't even know if that's their last fucking day on this planet yep shout out to bubs from our teeth and children are calling episode we love you bubs bubs said quote for me it's the idea that i'm not in control that I have let my emotions run wild and I no longer have the ability to rein them in And it scares the shit out of me. I had anger issues when I were a wee lad. And it took a lot for me to learn how to handle them. Admitting I lost all I've worked for would be a monster hurdle. Meaning again the question was posed. Why would you not go to therapy? Why would you not seek help? And I really recognize that what Bubbles is saying is that at this point in his life. He's overcome so many things that seeking therapy would be almost defeat in The shit that he has overcome... I get that feeling of all of the testimonies that we're submitting. Bubbles is the one that I personally align with the most. I really recognize the number of times that I have asked for help. And every time I get pissed and every time I walk away from it and I try and figure it out myself and I do a good job most of the time, but I know that it's not a perfect system. And I know that it would be healthier if I did it this way. But I really fucking resonate with what Bubs had to say about that being almost like a hit to my ego like come on girl you figured this out last time why can't you do it this time and that's just not how it works not even for women but for men too so thank you bubbles for sharing that because that was really important to me the next quote was from rico quote men suffer in silence as we have been taught to the stigma attached to mental health has handicapped our society so the psychological impact on a man to seek help is significant The man is to be the strongest in the room and family. But if that's true, when is it okay for the strongest to show weakness? In this case, the way that mental health is portrayed. That quote stood out to me because seriously, just the question alone, if the man is the strongest person in the room, when does that person get to be weak?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It kind of makes me think of like sitcoms where you remember like
1: yep. Yep. the
2: dad is helping everyone out of their problems from his wife to his kids. But then I don't really remember scenes where he even ever had a problem, let alone it, it would be like severe ones, like substance abuse and things like that. But where he did a moment to be down. I remember, I think some of the times I saw it in television and media was when like something in real life happened. So you have like, I remember it used to hit hard when actors used to pass and the show would have to address it. I'd be like, that would be the first time I would see like the dad character actually break down. And you're realizing like, <laughs> it takes for these moments for us to be able to see sometimes see men as like these fragile beings too. And it kind of takes me like, If that, if it's just that moment, we know it has to have been way other moments that wasn't discussed before until that conversation was forced.
0: Mm -hmm. Real. Jacob M. said, quote, I finally went to see someone a few years ago. The stigma always held me back. I felt like I was supposed to be strong enough to get through it alone, and I didn't want to feel weak-looking my friends and family in the eye. I also tend to shove down the bullshit, and I leave it there. I don't like thinking about it. My past doesn't have a ton of good in it. That I really resonated with as well, specifically because, I mean, just as a human being, my past doesn't have a ton of good in it, right? Like, that's not even a man to woman thing. I really recognize that Jacob's example is specifically a human being thing. And as human beings, we set that precedence that asking for help makes you look fucking weak. And that shit's got to go. I think
2: it's interesting with the past thing, you know, I I don't know if it was my therapist who said it or someone who said therapy is really like a safe space to unravel all of your trauma and thinking like about the past, like you think, oh, all of that's behind me. And then therapy is the one thing that can also reveal that it's really not. And that all the things you thought you succeeded in overcoming, you really didn't. You just move past them and were are OK putting a period in it, but they never left
0: real. Or maybe that's not even the case. I think it's really fantastic you called that out, but maybe you didn't even move past it. Maybe you just suppressed it. Maybe you've repressed it. Do you know how many traumatizing fucking memories I have that I know for a fact I've repressed that I don't remember to their fullest extent a lot? That's a very common thing that our brain does specifically to keep us safe. You guys, that's nothing that we can control. But in order to actually control that, this is how we do it. I'm just telling you that, honestly.
1: I can really relate to that and that for me, therapy is like opening a Pandora's box that I didn't know I had yep. and looking inside and being like, shit, I didn't know that was in there and then taking it out of the box, examining it, putting it back in and lighting the box on fire, essentially, so.
0: <laughs> I I know that that's a very true statement for you. I do know that's how you deal with things. And I'm not even saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I do
1: know that's how you deal with things.
2: <laughs> a perfect analogy. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> the way I like to deal with stuff is by acting like the Joker In the hospital scene, just, like, walk out with that kind of, like, look. Like, oh, there it goes. Real.
0: (laughs) Oh, it blew up. How surprising. (laughs) Yep. Our dude Tyler from Page Turners and Button Mashers. Shout out to our Bye 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 episode. Hey, Ty. Hey, Ty. You beautiful little biscuit orders. Love you. He said, quote, as someone who, when going through a traumatic life event, I tried to seek help. I was told, quote unquote, get over it. You're a man. Deal with it. This has oftentimes turned me away from seeking help when I needed it in fear of being shot down again. All I got to say to Tyler, that whole statement, real. That's real. That's, again, a human thing. I don't even think that's a man thing, even though specifically the statement is get over it, you're a man, deal with it. That part is specifically to men. But honestly, the rest of it, I think that's a very human experience. The fear of opening up to somebody and being vulnerable and asking for help and being told to get the fuck over it. I think that's something that we all fucking struggle with. And how dare anybody who ever has someone come to them and your response is get over it. Fuck you royally.
2: For real. I think it's the attempt. I think that's what gets me is that he attempted it. So it wasn't like, oh, you weren't just ingrained in you. You tried to open up and someone gave you the most fucked up response. And that just hurts even more because there was someone needed, you were reaching out of hand and someone did it.
1: Can we normalize throat punching anybody who responds like that to anybody that opens up? Because... Twenty twenty one. New goals. Gladly. I would love
2: to.
0: Twenty twenty one, the year of the throat punch. I'm fucking here for it. <laughs> this is my signature move. I'm not even kidding. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
2: it's the crush win for me.
0: <laughs> oh, you like that windpipe? Not anymore, girl. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Our dearest darling Josh from 4 Nerds by Nerds said quote The biggest obstacle for the longest time was a lack of health insurance. Oh my God, I forgot this was on here. Dear Josh, yes. Okay, back to Josh's quote. I'm sorry. Quote, it's still a hurdle. My doctor said if my current meds don't work, I'll need to see a therapist, but my insurance does not cover that. Other than that, it's the fear of not being understood, along with the medication changing your personality too much, and the fact that most anti-anxiety and antidepressants cause performance issues sexually, which worries most men. Dear Josh, hats off for everything that you said because you hit like six different fucking things for me i'm not even gonna get into all of them but seriously let's talk about the insurance aspect because i think that josh is one of the only notes that i took on here about the insurance aspect let's talk about that for a second my
2: gosh the uh, one of the things i think that will forever pissed me off the most about the world is about the lack of accessibility uh, when it comes to healthcare and mental health. From just being a college student and learning that you have six, you only have six appointments you can get which is like the absolute those are like the introductory sections if that's what you've been in like therapy before you have to go find an outside provider
0: Mm -hmm. you're still getting to know your therapist in six sessions that's like icebreaker mode
2: (laughs) exactly and it's like
0: i'm just getting to know you (laughs) bitch
2: for real exactly and then they're like get out go get your own and it's just the fact that no one there's so many people who would also love to get into therapy but have no access to it because insurance wants to act like oh you need that's not the type of help we promise to help you with we can get you the meds and stuff. you need the meds we're good you want to talk to somebody that's what you do on your own you know And while we're in the conversation, I do want to boost Open Path Collective, which is kind of this thing I really want to push, especially towards young people and anyone who has a lack of access to insurance, they do offer very low-cost insurance Uh, for people who do not, uh, low cost therapy services for people who do not have insurance. And a lot of people in colleges are using them. A lot of people who don't have immediate access or work jobs where they have access to healthcare benefits, use them. That if you really are needing help and don't feel like you have proper access to they will help you get it.
1: I really appreciate that. Absolutely appreciate that.
2: Because everyone deserves a right to that. Everyone deserves a right to that.
0: Mental health is absolutely a right That everyone has, yes, yes,
1: yes. It's interesting because... Mental and health are two totally separate words yeah. in the insurance world. It's not It's not a thing that's mm-hmm. together in insurance. It's just not, regardless mm-hmm. of what they say. I mean, health insurance is fucked, but.
0: Real. Yeah. Both of those perspectives, both of those things added to this conversation, I literally cannot thank you enough for. So, I mean, really, hats off to you guys in this. Thank you for bringing those, just even in that one blip of a second of this episode. Crucial. So, thank you.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely thanks for having the conversation (laughs)
1: yes
0: the last quote that i have was from blake p which said quote accepting there may be a cause for concern overcoming pride and ego to make the decision to get help the fear of truth and change those things would prevent me from therapy. And I really wanted to end with Blake's quote because I have a small disclaimer-ish to move forward into the next section of our information, which is all of these feelings and experiences are so unbelievably valid in their own respect as a whole. Again, we are so grateful for all the men who felt safe enough to share their experience with us for this episode. To the men who are in therapy, keep fucking going you got this we are cheering you on every second of the day to the men thinking about getting therapy or looking into it please hear this episode as a message from the universe a little nudge in the right direction now is the time it's okay to put your fears and insecurities and traumas down it is okay to ask for help it does not mean you're weak or less of a man It does not make you a pussy or challenges your sexual orientation in any way. Life is really, really fucking hard and you don't have to do it all by yourself. Growth is also hard and it can be really painful, but strength is not defined by how much you can endure in silence. Please hear us say that you can do this. Take it one day at a time. Find professional help that you trust and feel safe with know that you will only get out of it what you put into it no one can read your mind know your experiences or tell you how you feel it is a marathon not a sprint and the path to healing has zero room for egos or dishonesty and requires accountability to a level that you have been trying to avoid your whole life because we've all fucking been there we've all seen some shit We have all held on to the fear and pain and lies that we tell ourselves to keep us from being truly happy. And we do that entirely to ourselves as a fucking species. Human beings do this. Dear human beings, knock it the fuck off. And while we do it to ourselves, we project that onto others. Either in that no one could possibly understand your experience, so it's easier to just not talk about it or we feel like our issues are anthills while others have mountains and we don't deserve the help that we need. Or maybe it's both. But imagine how beautiful your life would be if you could put all of that trauma down. What if you didn't have to face your demons alone? What if the person you loved said your demons do not scare me? Let's fuck them up together. What if a stranger helped you overcome your greatest fear just by listening and then your next greatest fear and the one after that and the one after that until you were a free fucking man to live without emotional debt for sins you no longer deserve to carry or maybe never deserve to carry at all. Humans are evolutionarily and biologically not meant to survive on our own. Please never think that you are the exception to that rule no matter how brutal it gets. And to the men who have no intention of ever getting therapy because it's beneath you to have feelings, you're the reason the rest of us fucking need therapy. So disrespectfully, get help or go to a conversion camp. Sincerely, Celeste.
1: That end, That took a total twist. <laughs> I
2: love the disrespectfully.
0: <laughs> I just really had to cover that whole spectrum, you guys.
2: <laughs> I love it. I. It was so fulfilling.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So I really took the next section upon myself because I think that this is really important. And I kind of made this where to start guide, a quick tour by Celeste. So I really think that this is important because I recognize that trying to find solutions for your mental health concerns, no matter how drastic those can be, can be really fucking hard. Because As a society, we don't talk about this, so there's not really a good place to start. Dear listeners, please let us help you. Taboos is a great place to start. I would also like to add that Google is a fantastic place to start. Just for the record, Google is very, very fucking helpful. Dear Allie, the Google Air, please endorse that Google is helpful.
1: I also enjoy Google. (laughs) Ten, ten would recommend... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: the next thing I have on here says self help books are cool because you read it by yourself. Great, right? Getting help without even talking to someone yet. Cool. The catch is that you actually have to read them, not just with your eyes, but also with your mind. You actually have to read the book, you guys. Don't love to read or don't have time. Audiobooks, music, whether that's playing, writing, or listening to. And podcasts are also things that can be done solo that really allow for self-reflection, challenging thoughts and beliefs that you may have about the exact thing that you're still not ready to say out loud. The trick still being listening, letting your mind absorb the content or absorb the way that it resonates with you in that moment. It should feel good. It should feel hopeful or like this is your moment to finally be the version of you that you know you can be. The man that you and the people that you love deserve for you to be. When you feel that right in your jellies, it is time to use words. Don't freak out, you guys. We're going to go slow. P.S. to everybody. I love words. My daily affirmation is that I use words. So anybody who thinks I talk too much, y'all can fuck off because words are my superpower. Thank you very much. If you don't love the word quote-unquote diary because let's be real, I don't love the word diary. I think it's a weird fucking word. There's this thing called a journal. Additional aliases being notebook. Shout out to my special guest notebook. Love you so much. Paper, papel, this random receipt I found, this envelope that I'm going to rip up and recycle anyway. All of those things can be used as journaling material, just so you know. Journaling can be an excellent way to work through some real fucking shit. Don't worry about what you're writing down. Just fucking write it down. Just write until you can't write anymore. Write until you don't have a pen anymore. Write until you run out of pages. Just write sometimes. It's really fucking cathartic. Specifically, in my journey of self-love, discovery, and in the shadow work that I do daily, I, honest to God, turn to writing. Even writing research every week helps me in a way, even if that is to simply think about how I would want you, our listener, to receive the information because I put myself in your position as the listener. That's how I build my research. Look, I'm even doing it right now. Like I wrote that down, but also it's how my brain works. (laughs) Words flow better when your brain is not involved more often than not. That's why you can say all the right things in a text message but not in person because someone else has the time, opportunity, and honestly the right to process the information that you've given them and guess what? They have their own shit too. If you're worried about that shit standing in the way of your words leaving your body, write them down to yourself. I personally write a lot of letters that I will never send. Sometimes I write several letters to the same fucking person and then I burn them all because it makes me feel good. Like, sometimes that's real. Some good, some bad, some being as mean as I can to this person if they deserve it because it's never going to leave these four walls. I really recommend burn them if you want to. But get the words out. And if you have some shit to really say to someone, send it. Both the post office and your psyche will appreciate it. If it's possible, the receiver might as well. Do you guys have any thoughts on that Section specifically about ways to help yourself before we move on to the next section. I
2: loved it, especially because I think we already have like this one dimensional view of what it means to help yourself mentally. And so to hear all of the different ways you broke it down was like amazing. Cause I'm like, some of those ways I didn't like, even learn how I got into therapy. And so to already have that information right then and there is just great.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Journaling was something that was super helpful for me when I was in a dark point in my life. So that's one area that I can definitely relate to that it was like you said, just literally writing whatever and not caring about what I was writing, just really getting it out there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Now that we've gotten used to feeling some movement in the way that we feel, our confidence in understanding ourselves as a human being, and honestly, let some words come to you. When you're ready, it's time. We have reached our destination to seeking help. Outside of your very own abilities. So really, this is what the a piece that I want to talk about before we move forward. I personally don't think that there's a quote unquote right way or a wrong way to seek help. So I didn't do any research in regards to that, but I would like to talk about our experiences collectively, even if it's just at a very high level, about things that we did to seek actual help. Like, do you guys have any recommendations specifically of where you would go right now if you needed to get professional help?
1: Oh. Uh I asked my best friend. I asked my best friend where she was going. Hint and twink twink.
0: <laughs> oh. Is that am I that? Am I did I do that? Am I that?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you did that. You did that. <laughs> that was how I found somebody.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so glad I did that. I didn't even know I did that. Aww. Oh,
1: I love you, (laughs) Bowlin. What was your experience?
2: Um, mine was really messy. Like I refused to get like a direct source of help for years, and so it was like first my like doctor was like, "Okay, here's a psychiatrist." I'm like, "Yay, psychiatry, meds." Did that for two years, and I was like, "I'm still hitting brick walls. I'm still depressed."
1: Throwing up the pizza. i'm still depressed bitch
2: oh yeah like it's cool depression up in here for real total bad bitch shit right depression you wish you were me
0: throwing down
2: oh uh, but i think really one of the most impactful things was actually talking to my best friend who was the first person I'd ever actually had conversations about mental illness with because they were so open about it. And I was like, Oh, you, this is a thing I can actually have. Like, anxiety and depression and things like that so talking with I think anyone who probably you know could be an empathetic source would always be a good first up too because it is kind of a messy journey and it kind of is you're gonna find a lot more not places it's not gonna work for you before you find the solution and for me I realized like my biggest thing was therapy, talking to a personal confidant to feel and understand, you know, someone who's going to understand you as a person and really say, okay, this is going to be a solution that I think is going to be good for you. And just being willing to kind of like mess up and realize that you're probably going to hit a lot of no's before you realize the yes of how you can get better in your own way.
0: I think so many things that you both said were really important. And I recognize that you both said turning to a friend is like the first place. And I really, really appreciate Appreciate that. I think what I also want to offer, though, because I recognize that we've already kind of really established, especially in the male community, that most men don't have a solid friend to turn to in that way. So I really want to just take a second to recommend some online mental health platforms. Specifically, BetterHelp is a really great one. They are not sponsoring this episode in any way. Zero ties to them at all. But I recognize that there are, especially after the pandemic, a lot more Mental health options that are completely virtual. And I recognize that if you might not have a friend to turn to, that's a good place to start. Because honestly, you're going to get a stranger. And who cares? You're not even really talking to this person. You maybe have a phone call scheduled with them once in a while and you send them some text messages back and forth. But I'm not even saying that you should go into it thinking like that. I just mean seriously. There are ways to do this in a very non-committal way space that still get you the same result and I really think more people should be considering that if not anything else.
1: I think that's a great call out as well as Fola and I think a great call out you had was the fact that you're gonna hit a lot of no's before you hit your yes. Real yes absolutely. I think that's a huge deterrent in treatment and therapy that a lot of people run into where they get disheartened so Shout out there. Real.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely got to be real about it. like you're not probably going to find the solution right out the gate and that's okay.
1: And
0: sometimes also, sometimes a solution's not even what you need. Sometimes a perspective is what you need. Sometimes your therapist can't give you a solution and that's not honestly what they're there for. They're there to help guide you to make good choices for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I really think that we need to change that expectation. Therapists are not fucking miracle workers. They do the best they can and they have a very demanding job. But that is on us as individuals who utilize their services to do the actual work. That stereotype needs to change as well. So shout out to any therapists who are listening to this episode. We appreciate you and we know that you are not fucking miracle workers, even though you try your fucking damnedest. Thank you for showing up every single day. We are grateful
1: for each of you. Definitely could not do that job. So much strength there. For
0: real. For real. I want to give one small shout out to Katie specifically because she is my very favorite friend who is a therapist and she's my sparkle sloth and I love her. So, shout out to Katie. Okay. So, before we move on to statistics. I have a point and a perspective to be shared that I believe will be what we all need to be able to effectively move forward in understanding how common it is for men to experience concerns with their mental health. If it's okay with both of you, I'd like to ask for a safe space to do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Listeners. I also ask you for that safe space as this will be one of the most personal things that I will ever share on our show, in all honesty. And y'all know that I'm a pretty open fucking book, so this is really saying something right now. I'd like to start with my point first, which is your mental health is your responsibility and no one else's. Others are meant to support you and challenge your previous or current way of thinking because that's where human growth takes place no matter the environment. However, no one is accountable for you getting help, being receptive of the help or your actual healing. The only person that you can do that for is yourself. And I think too many people don't recognize that that's an important part of healing. Agreed. But I'd like to move forward with a perspective that I have gained through some incredibly difficult trials in my personal life. I share this perspective today with you all under the preface that my relationship is not open for discussion and I will not be sharing this man's name out of respect for the perspective to be shared is ours as in he and I and he and I alone. I am very grateful for his permission to share this perspective and faith to deliver it with nothing but love and light in hopes that it will help others and also help me because he knows that our show is important to me. So to the man that I love, shout out to you for all of the things that led us to this point, good or bad. Deep breath. This man that I love and I were meant to be in whatever that means to us. But truly in my core, I know that I was meant to love this man the same way that my lungs know that they are meant to expand and compress. The universe will just not let us go or they wouldn't. This man was my best friend, my safe place, my home. The papa bear to my baby bears. He is an incredible father, a good man, a good soldier and a good human being and I really love him. This man in all of the things that he is struggles with mental health which presents itself in his case as behaviors that give others, myself included, the impression that maybe he's not a good man. I believe that mental health is like a storage unit and I'm gonna use that analogy specifically as we talk about this man's mental health. When bad shit happens to this man who prides himself on his strength and fortitude and his character, rather than asking for help opening up about whatever it was, he puts it into his storage unit. Life is hard for all of us, for everyone. But I would be underselling this analogy if I didn't make it clear that life has been really bad to the man that I love. Really, really fucking bad in some instances. And to be honest, I don't even know the depths of that storage unit. If you're curious, I can tell you what has gone into the storage unit is trauma. From his childhood, from his previous marriage, from selflessly serving our country, from being alienated from his child, and above anything, his own mistakes fear, and shame. And his insecurities. And he thinks all of these things are safe and fine because they are out of sight, out of mind. I truly believe that there are a lot of people who understand that analogy who didn't even know that they needed to hear it. But I have to be really honest that the man that I love has to deal with this storage unit for himself. However, that never means that he must do it by himself. Because here's the real thing that I'm getting to. Every single fiber of my existence tells me not to give up on this man because he is the man that I love. He is my best friend and he is my end of the world teammate. And somewhere in there is the man that I know and love. I would give anything to be able to get to him, to be able to help him and to be able to bring him home where he is saved and loved and doesn't need to face life alone. But I can't because he won't open up to me. He won't open up to anybody. Not to the people who love him. Not to a professional. And instead we are all forced to stand outside of the storage unit and choke on the stench of his mistakes and lies and cruelty while he's trying to protect himself. And really the man that I love is dying inside of the storage unit because he refuses to get help. So dear men listening even though getting help is really for you, I want you to hear my voice saying it's also not just for you. It's also for the people who love you, who need you here with them because we need you here with us. And that's really what I'm getting at with this entire episode. The stench is the toxicity that's in our relationship for both of us. When the man that I love bumps into one of those things sitting in the shed, he turns into a man that I don't like at all. A man that I even would say that I hate, which makes the good man that he is ashamed and honestly, sometimes rightfully so. It's an entirely valid feeling that shame pulls him farther and farther into the shed and farther away from me every single time, meaning that his mental health isn't healthy. Along with all of the other things that can happen in a single day that take a toll on one's mental health. And when his mental health is on the decline, our whole family is. When my mental health is on the decline, our whole family is. When we don't take care of ourselves, we neglect each other which pulls us farther and farther apart, only adding more to the storage unit. Just like I know that it's true that this man was meant to serve a purpose in my life, I know that this storage unit is the thing that stands between that purpose to be the man that I proudly and happily live forever after with or that purpose to be to teach me what true romantic love can look like about myself and to have challenged my growth and to help me deliver this perspective to you our listener but in all honesty and reality that choice comes down to him taking care of his mental health my choice for me to take care of mine and our mutual effort from both of us to take care of each other's i ask you dear listener to really sit with my analogy and ask yourself what do you have in your storage unit and are the people that you love choking on the stench of your trauma and choices Or can we air this bitch out and make a path to be able to come and go freely while cleaning it out until it's clean and you have nothing but good things to put in it? Because a clean storage unit leads to another day at a beautiful life, even on the worst days. And that was the analogy that I had to make about mental health along with my and perspective.
1: That was beautiful.
2: That was very beautiful.
1: And I'm sending you all the love and I appreciate that he was willing to let us share that. And... I think a huge call out through that whole thing and really like a huge premise of it is mental health impacts everyone around you. Like it's not just you. Your mental health is important dear men. Your mental health is important and crucial, but it also impacts your loved ones and the ones that you love. Do it for you and do it for them, period.
0: That's really what I'm getting at, honestly. So I really appreciate you recapping that because yes, I know that him taking care of his mental health is something that only he can do but also I want to ask him every single time that he doesn't why wouldn't you if you love me and I'm worth it to you why wouldn't you take care of your mental health because that's the thing that stands in between us and that might be a selfish question honestly but I don't even care Because it's a valid question. As someone who loves other people, my mental health is a priority to me because I know when my mental health is suffering, I hurt the people I love before I hurt anybody else. The people I love are the first people to feel that something is wrong with me because I have no patience or tolerance for the people I love when something's really wrong and I'm not getting it out. We retaliate on the people closest to us because we believe that it's the safest place to let out those feelings and aggression. But if we don't do it in a healthy way, we're going to fucking hurt the people we love. And then guess what? We break up and we don't live happily ever after. And some relationships are worth fighting for. And honestly, this, I think, was one of them. And I'm really sad that it ended the way that it did.
1: I think if anything, we've covered in this episode that society teaches men that the storage unit has really scary shit in it and that somebody else holds the key and that key can't be given to them or shouldn't be rather. yeah, I agree that
0: handing the key to somebody else makes you inferior as a man. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Or acknowledging that you have a storage unit too.
0: Real. And that it's full of bad choices. Because who wants to admit that I'm holding on to all of the bad choices I've ever made in my fucking life, right? But I really recognize that that's what it is. And in two and a half years of talking to this man every day, that's exactly what's in his storage said. So thank you guys so much for the space and the opportunity to share that perspective with you guys. I am really proud of myself that I didn't cry the way that I thought that I was going to. Also, uh, to the man who I love, thank you for your permission to use our story in this episode. And uh, I wrote this episode for you. So you're welcome. The next section is called Who Can Help Professionally? I wanted to talk about that. And I got this information from SAMHSA.gov, which is spelled S A M H S A.gov, which is really the fancy website for the US Department of Health and Human Services, specifically their Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration website. For anybody who is in need of getting professional help immediately, there is a helpline that is offered on this page. The number for that is 1 800. Six six two help again that is one eight hundred six six two four three five seven so really what I wanted to do is take you on a quick tour of this website because obviously if you were looking at it, you'd be able to see exactly what I'm about to tell you. But because this is an audio show, I'm just going to spell it out for you really quick because I really think that this website has so much information and I go into some of it, but not all of it. So high level, here are the things that are offered on this page. So specifically under the quote unquote find treatment field on this page, other options are listed as alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs, behavioral health treatment and services, which was described as, quote, behavioral health treatments are ways of helping people with mental illnesses or substance use disorders. For example, counseling and more specialized psychotherapies seek to change behaviors, thoughts, emotions and how people see and understand situations for most people the most effective behavioral health approach includes a combination of counseling and medication end quote the site also offers information for disaster distress which offers a hotline there is an early serious mental illness locator which i did not look into but i mean that seems pretty self-explanatory Implementing Behavioral Health Crisis Care, Mental Health and Substance Abuse Disorders, the National Hotline, which again was listed above, National Suicide Prevention Hotline, Opioid Treatment Program Directory, stay tuned for an episode about opioids because that shit needs to be addressed heavily, Recovery and Recovery Support, Suicide Prevention, and a veterans crisis line. Future episodes on all of these topics, but especially veterans in crisis, will be made. Please stay tuned. However, in this exact episode, I did want to take a moment to talk about veterans in crisis because this is really, I believe, when I think about men in need of help. When I think about the stereotypical man who needs mental health intervention, I immediately think of a vet. I am not saying that their mental health is a priority above anybody else's, but I recognize on the spectrum of people who are readily at need of help, veterans are there. I believe that all veterans deserve and should receive mental health treatment after their service regardless of if they were deployed or not. The military and all of its branches of service are an incredibly dehumanizing experience, and they do that to you on purpose. Rewiring your brain after you leave that experience is necessary because you deserve to be a human just as much as you deserve to be a soldier.
1: Yeah, Bubbles even called out in our Teeth and Children episode that our mental health within the veterinary... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, yes, within the veterinary field. All those <laughs> really? dog
0: doctors are really suffering.
1: <laughs> uh, mental health within those who have served is still stigmatized. It's just now becoming less so. So it's very new to not carrying stigma. And it still has it. Guys, I can't talk. I'm not an orator like you guys are. No,
0: no. Absolutely. No, 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 completely. I personally believe that both from research and personal experience, that of all mental health areas that must be addressed, that veteran services are the most prevalently needed. And I really think that that's what you're trying to say.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree.
1: (laughs) Yep. Okay. All those dogs.
0: So honestly, I can't say that the following information is the most reliable or honestly the most useful to a vet. I really can't because let's be real. It's a government website. It's government services. Okay, cool. But it is out there and it is simply a place to start, even if that is just to familiarize yourself with the idea of getting help. Before we get into real information on this, cue friend Celeste stopping by to say hello. Thank you for your service and for your sacrifice. All of you. Please don't feel like you can't open up to your brothers and sisters of service. The bonds formed in times of service are unique, even if you don't serve together directly. Veterans, respectfully, please stop isolating yourselves, especially from each other. Be there for one another to the best of your ability, which can be as simple as being a safe and open hand to hold through the hard moments of life. All of that. For any veterans who don't feel as though that they can open up to any of their brothers or sisters in arms, the following information is meant for you specifically. Additionally, this goes out to any family members of vets who might be experiencing a crisis. Specifically, the following information came from VeteranCrisisLine.net, and the page opens up with this quote. Connect with the Veterans Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Many of them are veterans themselves specifically i wanted to share with you guys how to connect to a responder in case this is the first time that you've ever heard of this information or opportunity for help the phone number is 92 92- no that's my phone number the phone number is 1-800-237-8255 you can send them a text message at 838255 i'm sure i'm supposed to say some shit about standard text message rate apply but it doesn't say that so i don't know text at your own risk You can also go to this website to find a chat opportunity, like a useful chat thing, whatever. There is also a support area of the site specifically for the deaf and hard of hearing. I love, 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 love this news. That's super important to me, and I really wanted to call that out as well. The website says, quote, This support is confidential, available 24-7, and serves all veterans, all service members, national guard and reserve as well as their family members and friends find support near you quote no matter what you're experiencing there is support for getting your life back on track the site goes on to say what to expect quote a trained responder will answer your call text or chat and we will ask you a few questions you can decide how much you want to share i would also like to share with you guys the signs of a crisis as outlined on this website specifically again being related to vets because i think that this is really important quote feeling anxious or alone and thinking about suicide are some of the signs that a veteran may be in crisis end quote i have a disclaimer i i have this all through the following is specifically directed at veterans per this website however i am of the position that the following quote applies to all people in whatever their needs are as a valid reference when the quote-unquote appropriate time to seek help is According to this website, this is the time that veterans should seek help. However, as I was reading the information, this is the time that anybody should seek help. And I think that's really important. I am not minimizing, however, that this information is specifically directed at veterans because it came from this place of information. Quote, veterans and service members in crisis do not have to face it alone. If you're thinking about hurting yourself having thoughts of suicide, or becoming self-destructive, there are responders ready to help. First, to contact the Veterans Crisis Line for immediate assistance, call, again, that number is 800-237-8255 and press 1. Two, we need to talk about what we consider self destructive behaviors real quick. So, really, I'm asking you guys what are some self destructive behaviors that you recognize, whether it's in a vet or not? What are things that you'd look for as just a human being who cares about someone else.
2: I think one of the biggest ones for me is self isolation. I know this when someone's typically trying, the way they're behaving is to intentionally keep people away from them. And so I'm like, okay, if you're lashing out and I see you're attempting to keep everyone back, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Uh, that's one of my first go tos. I would say also a shutdown of kind of like social processes. So if they're talking less, if they seem more disconnected in general, like they're unable to focus on you, or they're unable to focus in general. Or if they're not, it's actually a thing on social media that went that I always used since I was a teenager, which was like, science is getting bad again. Uh, you no, know, people are unable to hold appetites. Um, if they find themselves speak, you can tell when someone's also speaking if they're spiraling too like i can be discussing someone i can see someone i'm like oh yeah you're going down with a thing that i didn't trigger either so it's like different behaviors outside their their necessary norm i'm not saying it's everyone's norm but if you can see that they have some outline behaviors that is not normal for them that is i would definitely see when to start paying attention
0: i think those are really valid Allie girl did you have any
1: I'd say substance abuses or erratic changes in like shirking responsibilities and stuff like that.
0: I think those are all excellent. I did have both isolation and substance abuse. So great, excellent points on those. I agree completely. I also had excessive weight gain or loss as well as criminal activity. A lot of people, when they are experiencing mental health behaviors, they just do petty criminal shit sometimes. Crisis mentality makes us do sometimes just really stupid shit. Maybe somebody starts a theft habit, a, a habit of stealing shit. Maybe it's really little, but sometimes that's an indicator that mental health is just not right. Even when they have the money in their hand, but it feels better for them to steal. That's sometimes, to your point, Fallen, of like, that's an erratic and abnormal behavior for this person normally... Mm -hmm. That's a sign to me that crisis is coming. Exactly. I also think that it's really important as someone who struggles with mental health myself and someone who has been in moments of crisis, I just really need to say to everyone, the signs are there. If you don't think that the signs of a crisis are there, I really am telling you you're not paying attention enough. And that's not to say that you're at fault for the crisis or that you need to be more attentive. But I am saying Crisis does not happen out of the blue when it comes to humans and their mental health. That shit builds up. So dear wives, husbands, mamas, daddies, daughters, sons, neighbors, police officers, humans. This is a public service announcement, quote, supporting a loved one through a veteran related crisis can feel overwhelming, but responders at the veteran crisis center can help. Contact the veteran's crisis line immediately if the veteran or service member in your life is showing signs of crisis, such as talking about feeling helpless or hopeless, experiencing anxiety or agitation, and increasing risky behaviors or substance abuse, end quote. Personally, from me to you, if the vet that you love is going through some scary shit or is doing scary shit or is feeling scary fucking shit, please recognize this as scary shit and react accordingly. Get safe. Get help for both of you if that's necessary. Know that you are not the object in front of them you are not in their head they are not themselves in a way that you've ever seen in a life that you've never lived in you are neither at fault or responsible for the course of events to follow should they escalate and that's really important for me to say too other places for men to turn to consider getting help include but are not limited to your primary care physician your proctologist your HR department at work, AA meetings. Religious practices of all denominations offer a form of quote-unquote confession in one way or another, whether that's out loud or to your higher power, whatever that is. Spiritual practices have tons of avenues for healing such as Reiki, sweats, shadow work, herbal remedies, essential oils, and meditative journeys. Community centers often have group or counseling opportunities. I also wanted to call those out. If you're not in a place geographically where you have a community center, shout out to BetterHelp or some of those other online therapy services. They are a little bit more expensive, but honestly, they offer a ton of opportunities to work with you, especially because, hello, pandemic, this isn't hard. Folan, do you have any other suggestions of other places that men might be able to get help that wouldn't be an obvious solution?
2: I think a lot of times is in schools and universities for younger uh, boys and men. Uh, You can speak to your college advisors, the same people who set up your classes, your professors. Um, You can speak to actually people in your own libraries for resources. A lot of times your schools do have actual advocacy resources not just, oh, you can go to their mental health resources. They actually have certain organizations dedicated to getting you help, specifically if you think you need more serious assistance outside of typical norms. Also, uh, typically clubs and local organizations, sometimes your Boys and Girls Clubs of America, certain activist organizations typically can be located like in your city hall or things like that. Also offer resource help as well.
0: Those were all amazing. And I'm so grateful that you shared them, especially because a lot of your examples of places for help were more specifically geared towards younger men if not boys and I did not have that so sincerely thank you for sharing that perspective and those opportunities and outlets for resources as well like thank you thank you thank you anytime Allie girl, did you have any other suggestions that we might have missed?
1: No, I have nothing to add to the pot. Otherwise, other than like maybe online forums. Honestly, Reddit sounds like such a dumb call out right now, but Reddit?
2: Yeah, no. It is beautiful.
1: No, 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 no. Say
0: things about Reddit. Please talk about Reddit because... I don't know how to use Reddit the way that you do. So I would be honored for you to share your experience or perspective about how helpful Reddit can be in this space.
1: I mean, you have to have perspective on forums, but there are sub forums for like men's mental health and literally every topic you can humanly think of. There's a forum for it where you can find people going through the same thing and share your experience or be anonymous and share Bob, your neighbor's experience.
0: So dear Bob, your shit's going up on Reddit, just so you know.
2: (laughs) Also to like add to that alley, I would say a weird place where you can also find mental health assistance is Tumblr. Typically because that site does acknowledge that a lot of its users have found themselves either on the neurodivergent spectrum or suffering from some aspect of a mental illness and a lot of psychiatrists and things are on there. Uh, It's more of a casual place, yes, but you can find people who help, who understand, and who are going through similar circumstances who are very sympathetic to it as well, as far as social media
1: goes. That's super interesting. Yeah,
0: Super interesting indeed and actually I think that it's really interesting that you said Tumblr specifically because the first place that my brain went when you said Tumblr was Elisa Lam and how in her series on Netflix specifically this is not me getting into the Elisa Lam case but specifically they continued to dissect her Tumblr account and they learned so much about who she was as a person and what she was going through in her mental health at the time that her Tumblr was a huge piece of what propelled the conspiracy that was something absolutely abnormal was going on with her. So I think that that's a really interesting perspective to be shared. And yes, like I go back to thinking it's literally just a journal, but you're typing instead of writing. And yes, it's public and whatever. But sometimes that's helpful for people. Sometimes it's easier to understand a perspective from a stranger because you don't internalize it the same way that you'd hear it from somebody you care about. That's really normal. That's why it's harder to take advice from your friends and your mother than it is from some stranger on the fucking corner. (laughs) Shout out to that guy on the corner who's like giving random advice to people. Thank you for all you do. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Some other types of help for men who should seek mental health assistance, specifically who are non-veterans, are men with substance abuse or addiction as a whole. This can include but is not limited to alcohol, opioids, heroin, meth, pills, sex, and porn etc. That list could go on forever. There's like millions of things that could be counted as addiction or substance abuse as it relates to men and their mental health. Also, specifically other men who should seek mental health help or assistance are men who have experienced cultural trauma. To all of the people who have been dealt shitty hands from life, we are really so sorry truly but you deserve to be so much more than a runner or a soldier or an athlete or the token black guy or the angry brown man you are more than that it doesn't matter that the streets raised you you don't have to live there forever it's time to get your mental health to be somewhere else you deserve a life beyond the limits our society has made up for you And the way that you get there is by a willingness to change for the better. See previous steps of self-healing, if needed, and getting help. There is no reason for you to be another mental health statistic. This is a choice that you get to make. So make it, because we believe in you. Other super normal things that men, or honestly, anybody, can seek help for include debt, parenting, co-parenting, or in my case, counter-parenting. A Stress. Relationships. Or honestly, just if you need direction in life, sometimes you just need somebody to say, hey, get your head out of your ass and go this way instead. Sometimes therapists can be really good for that. So honestly, in closing, I'd really like to offer one more perspective, which is really just a recap. This is just in closing to my research and we can talk about whatever else we need to. But mental health is about you. It is a choice that only you can make to improve in whatever that means to you but please know when you're healthy it becomes really obvious who in your life isn't whether that is a symptom of you being unhealthy or because they are unhealthy for you But either way, the better our mental health is, the more meaningful the relationships around us are. If you feel like no matter what you fuck it up, that's your mental health. If you wish that you were the man that she deserved as a partner, that's your mental health. If you wish that you were a more present father, mental health. If you want to hit something hard, anytime you feel something that you don't want to feel, that's your mental health. If you lie and you can't figure out why, that's your mental health. If you can't handle the stress of existing in this world as a human being because it's really fucking hard, that's your mental health. If you can't talk about your feelings with anyone else, that's your mental health. If you want the life that you deserve, it starts with you and your mental health. Because if the man is supposed to be the head of the house, shouldn't it at least be a healthy head? And that was my research on mental health for men. That was beautiful
1: that was amazing for real thank you thank you thank you for this episode
0: thank you so much you are so
1: welcome i didn't realize i was gonna cry during
0: it same (laughs) girl i wasn't ready for you to cry when you started crying and then and then i was so prepared to cry when i thought i was gonna cry that when you cried when you did i was like shit shit oh my god
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> like through the train off the track you're like wait a minute
0: yes I was like oh my god we're crying <laughs> oh my god I wasn't ready no this wasn't when we were supposed to cry <laughs> no I'm here for it even though you I don't care when you cried the fact that there was an emotional reaction from this episode at all I mean we all had one but the fact that there was one at all you guys really just means that I did this episode justice which is really important to me yeah
2: I I am honored to have been a guest on this iconic podcast. Like I did not, like I already knew we were going to have an amazing conversation, but again, I turned things you don't know until you're just in it. And it was just a level of detail and care and empathy and just passion behind everything it was just beautiful.
0: Mm, that makes me so happy. And I'm honored and humbled by your feedback and your compliments. And thank you so much. The really important thing that I want to talk about, before we wrap up is obviously, what did y'all learn here today? Because that's something we talk about on this show. Folan, let's start with you. Guests first.
2: Um, I learned that You know, one, mental illness is far more widespread than I thought it was, especially among men, and that there is a lot more conversations and solutions that I can push out there definitely to help all different types of men get on the path to recovery and get into a healthier journey of self-love and self-care with this because there's so much they're going through day in and day out but there's also a lot of ways I feel I can now step in and be a solution and be a release valve you know that I hadn't thought about before
0: yeah I think that's really really important and honestly in a non-like conceited way even though this might sound really conceited and narcissistic I really appreciate that perspective and what you're saying because honestly maybe your way of helping is just giving this episode to somebody and saying here here's all this information that you need to know about because this is what I'm worried about you experiencing I think that's a really big call out and even if this episode isn't how you do it the fact that you gained that from this information and this conversation and this experience with us that really means something to me so I'm honored and humbled like I said that you joined us today and you just mean so much to me and I really know that I couldn't have done this episode without both of you specifically so I'm so grateful
1: that you joined us today
2: thank y'all so much it's truly truly been an honor
1: I am piggybacking on that thank you and honor and all the things I could I can't say it better so I'm just saying yes that (laughs)
2: feel it, though. I feel it from you, Allie. Trust me.
1: This
0: is This is me husbanding Allie. This is like a normal thing for us. I say the words and she says, yep. And it's really a meaningful yep, even though it's just one word.
2: <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. That's all you needed to say for me to feel it.
1: <laughs> what did you learn here today, though, Baby Cakes? I learned that we as a society have a lot to do to help create a safe space for men to be able to go forth and... Be free of the stigma. I want Moose to grow up without these burdens. Period. So there's a lot to do there, and I really appreciate everything that you brought forth in this episode. I also learned that I'm gonna be waiting in 2022 for the Celeste and Volan, like world tour of motivational speaking because if that doesn't happen, gonna be pretty fucking irate. <laughs>
2: the first Netflix special. <laughs> <laughs> Snaps all
1: around. <laughs>
0: bae let's do some shit okay
2: you know it you know it you know it
0: <laughs> yes yes girl yes <laughs> oh, i love that
1: what did you learn here today beautiful
0: um well i learned that it took me three weeks to do this research which is the longest i've ever worked on <laughs> research before um but honestly what i learned from this episode is more about honestly what i learned about this episode was uh not the research or content at all. What I learned from this episode was a perspective about my partner that I had never had before. And maybe if I had this perspective at a time early in our relationship, I could have helped him differently. I'm not taking that burden on myself to say that I didn't help him enough. That's not my responsibility and I will not take accountability for that because I did everything that I could. But I really recognize that if I had this information sooner, maybe I could have been more helpful in a different way. And maybe I could have saved us from the terrible, heartbreaking fate that we faced. I really learned that from this episode. And I really recognize the growth that I personally have gained in this research. And honestly, because of that man. For being the man that I love, even though he treats me like a piece of shit. And I know why. For the first time in our lives the first time in our relationship I know why and I think that's what I learned here today so it's really hard for me to be resentful to this man that I love even though I would gladly punch him in the throat every chance I got for the rest of our lives that's real It's really hard for me to hate him because I learned something from this episode, which is truly, I couldn't have helped him even if I wanted to the way that I wanted to, because he has to do it himself.
1: That's
2: profound. That's
1: very profound. I definitely appreciate that you learned that. I also appreciate that you randomly brought it back to throat punching. (laughs) Girl, I told you that's like my method. That is
0: my execution style. And you know, I would stand on my tiptoes and I would punch him in the throat gladly, like up repeatedly, like bam, 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 motherfucker. Like yes, mm. I would do that, but I would do it with love and understanding. And then I would make him leave my house. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Reminds me of like Melissa McCarthy and Identity Thief when that was the only way she knew how to fight. <laughs> It's a in the throw. Yes, yes
0: that's me. Because I can't run either. That's what I look like when I run. and <laughs> what are you doing? I'm drawing shade right now. I can't. <laughs> Why would you do this to me? It was totally not Mr. <laughs> it to It was okay that I hit it. I loved this episode, you guys. I really did. Same here. Thank you so much for being a part of this with me. I really think this is probably my favorite episode and we're not even done with it yet. So this means everything to me. Thank you guys so much. I am honored to have shared this episode with you and this space with you and our show. Dear listeners, thank you so much for being a part of this with us today. I promise I'll stop talking and I'll let somebody else say some things. But seriously, I am sending you the biggest hug and love and light and wishing every single one of you a beautiful road to a healthy life that's all i want for you
2: thank you for having me thank you to the listeners for allowing me to be a part of you guys' space today it means a lot to be able to share this with y'all so i am truly honored and will not forget this
1: we're honored to have had you
0: real and also you are welcome back whenever the fuck you want to come back whether the listeners like it or not (laughs) thank you girl No, just show up.
2: Absolutely. I'll just hit you out. I'll just call like in the middle of a chat. Hello.
0: Um, hello. Can someone invite me to this Zoom meeting, please? Send me the link. Real. I can see it. I really can't.
2: Literally, my style is bad. Like, it's it's just so abrupt.
0: With like a Mariah Carey gift. that's like...
2: (laughs) Is that one where you see them pushing her in like that, like cart? <laughs> she's coming in some way. She's coming.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I can see it now real i look forward to it
1: i do too so before we do our like final wrap-up thing i just want to ask quick Fulan, are there any socials that our listeners could reach out to you on in case they had any questions about any of the sites that you mentioned or any of the experiences if you'd be willing to share
2: oh absolutely
0: or if they just want to connect with you because you're a beautiful fucking human
2: <laughs> thank you um absolutely you can hit me up At Theo Wright on Twitter and Instagram. So that's P H E O Wright. Hit me up anytime, DM me or anything. I am happy to respond and I'm always happy to start a new conversation.
0: And you are the cutest and I just love you. (laughs) Love
2: you too. Thank
0: you. Allie Girl, do you also want to execute our outro because you are so good at it?
1: Mm That's going to be great with this coughing. So, dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed this final episode to our Let's Hear It for the Boys month. I know you did. This was fantastic. You can't deny it.
0: No denying. We will hunt you down and add you to the list of people who are on our hit list for sleeping with socks on if you try to.
1: If you would like to reach out to us about it, you can do so at our socials. Those are Taboos the Pod on Instagram and Twitter. It's Taboos on Facebook or Taboos the Pod at... nope oh you were doing so good it's taboos podcast at gmail.com and taboos the is our website if you want to go there we also have a patreon it has lots of things like shots one's late <laughs> i'm sorry it's gonna be a good one though those shots consist of things like what was our first one
0: sleeping with socks on i just made that joke what was our second one chili with noodles was that the second one that we posted? I don't remember if it was the second one we posted.
1: I just edited it. I don't remember.
0: I Yeah, we just recorded a bunch of them and broke them up. So I don't know if that was the next one that posted. But dear listeners, we have a whole argument about if chili belongs with noodles or not. So that's coming up, if not already out there.
1: Yeah, there are things out there, including things that apparently I don't remember posting <laughs> either, which are the shots, and then things Celeste doesn't remember posting. So
0: I was literally just going to say, you gave me so much shit for posting our how. Hall- We met story and I didn't remember. And here you are, not even a week later, posting shit that you forgot you posted.
1: (laughs) So there are different tiers that you could join for that fun. And there's other cool things involved in there, too. Go take a look it's in our show notes and I think that's it
0: the only call out that I want to make about our Patreon is that if you enjoyed our show please consider joining our Patreon because we are in true fashion and indie podcast and if you'd like to help us keep the lights on that is how and greatly appreciated I also really would just like to request that you guys consider sharing this episode specifically with a man in your life even if that is just because you want to talk about mental health with him maybe he's got his mental health under control this would be a great episode to really praise that man to say look like these are all the things that other people are experiencing and you got this and you've killed it and i'm so proud of you or maybe this is a conversation that is shared to start a conversation that's okay too and it could be anywhere in between there but this episode specifically I ask that you share with someone important to you because I really think that there are not enough men out there who realize they're important to us in this way so change that I challenge you to do that.
1: Agreed with all those things. Absolutely. So
0: thank you again, you guys, so much for joining me on this episode. I'm so, so proud of this one. I love sharing every single second with you guys as two people that I love so much. And dear listeners, I am honored to have shared this episode with you guys. I really hope that you took something from it the way that we all did.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that was my cue. Hey, guys, here I am. (laughs) And on that note, do Do you
2: be taboos?